Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Nick and Manny's Infinite Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Emmanuel. Here with me, my good friend, my buddy, Nick. How you doing? Fucking tired. We're doing a late night recording this time. So if you hear us yawning, I'm sorry. That's me forgetting to edit out all the yawns. Yeah, it's a late night recording. We are doing this late in the week in general because we wanted to have a guest with us, which we will introduce in just a minute. Um, But Nick, I just wanted to, you know, catch up with you real quickly. How you been? How's your week been? Uh, It's been a pretty hectic week. I worked, I think, 49 hours this week, so I got a lot of overtime in, which will be nice for the paycheck, but I am extremely tired. And the three-day weekend that, as of this recording, we're on the Friday night of is incredibly needed. I'll say that. Oh, that's right. It's a three-day weekend. I completely yeah. forgot. What is it? Memorial Day? Labor Day? Labor Day. It's Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day. What a fitting title. I don't know what the holidays are. I know Christmas and Halloween, uh-huh. and those are really the only two. Yeah. I've, um, been, I've been doing too much labor, so now it's Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, it's Labor Day. Yeah. I also had a hectic week, but I'm glad to be here with you this week. Uh, Same, buddy. Before we get into everything, one, of course, thank everyone for listening. Thank you, guys. Um, we see you. I don't really know what that means, but we see you guys. <laughs> um, we I appreciate all the messages that we get um, throughout the week saying, hey, I listened to this. It's really cool. Really does mean a lot. Um, we know that this week it's going to be a little bit later and going forward, there might be some irregularities when it comes to uploading the podcast because of our busy schedules. But just want to say thank you for sticking with us this far. And Nick, let's introduce our guest for this week. Yeah, go ahead. You take the floor, buddy. You introduce him. This is our first guest, and it's fitting because one of my favorite movies, oh, it's by far my favorite movie of the year, released this week, and I really want to talk to this person. We have, over from the Wangers community, Kat. Kat, you're here. Yes, hello. Hi, Kat. Introduce yourself. Um, hi, I'm Kat. As Emmanuel said, I, I met these fine folks through this YouTube channel slash Patreon called The Wangers. Check them out. They're awesome. And for some of their patrons, they have this Discord going on, and we all kind of got to know each other through that, and it's just been a fun a fun time meeting these wonderful people. And yeah, I'm just hanging out here in the Midwest. Hey, same. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah, just chilling, chugging along. That's about all you can do in the Midwest. That's, that's literally all you can do here. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, from what I hear, the only thing to do in the Midwest is go to a Walmart parking lot and just hang out there. Yeah, that's it. That's all. I suppose it depends on where in the Midwest. I'm also not a huge Walmart per- I feel like it's either Walmart or like Target. <laughs> I would but rather there go have- with Target. I would go there with ha- Target, but same, Walmart is same. Walmart's five minutes from me and Target's a half hour from me. There's certainly times when I was younger and people could finally learn to drive and we're like we didn't have any money. And it's like, do you want to just go walk around Target? Um Although now that we have like our own places and streaming services and internet, it's kind of just like, or in this case, being like, hey, y'all want to meet on the voice channel and watch a movie? And we have done that many times. We we did that. It's it's how we, it's, it's how we bonded. Yeah. It is how we bonded. I think we did it twice for the big movie of this week. Did we do it twice? Yes, we did. We did it twice. Mm -hmm. And then we also saw High School Musical together. We saw High School Musical 2 together. Yes. I was not on that one, but I'm glad you all had a lot of fun with that one. We did have a lot of fun with High School Musical And then we all watched Shrek together. Yeah, the first Shrek. Shrek. It was the first Shrek. And then I introduced Mm -hmm. all you guys to El Pimpon, 
which is by far the better version <laughs> of watching that movie oh, is in did, Spanish. Did I tell you I showed my mom that video? Oh, you did? I did. Think? When uh, She loved it. When he started going crazy at the very end, she couldn't stop laughing for a solid two or three, two or three minutes. Wait, what's this video? Oh, you don't know about Ping Pong. Uh, you, you explain it. You know it better than I do. All right. So uh, you've seen Shrek. I mean, we just watched it. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've um, seen it many a time. So you know the scene when Jinji, he, uh, he's being interrogated by Lord Farquaad, mm -hmm. and he's saying, like, fine, I'll tell you. Do you know mm -hmm. the Muffin Man? Anyways, yeah. in, uh, in Spanish, they use a different uh, lullaby character or whatever. His name is Pimpon. Pimpon es un muñeco muy guapo y de cartón. Anyways, there's this whole song and stuff. So in Spanish, they say, like, oh, do you know this person? But it's just so much funnier in Spanish. It's definitely the voice acting. It's the, like, I guess, like, the words are just funnier in Spanish. But it's, it's great. And I'm glad that Nick showed his mom that video <laughs> because me and Elena were just quoting it nonstop. And it was, Amazing. it was great to finally see Nick actually like that. And then to see his mom, to hear his mom. <laughs> uh like it that that's great that's mm -hmm. a win in my book we're, we're spreading the joy yeah i feel for one you have to send me that link and I'm, i feel I like in some right circumstances now. oh perfect so you'll see it when we're done i feel like in some circumstances getting nick to thoroughly enjoy certain things is kind of like a much lighter <laughs> version of brian <laughs> it is it is nick is notoriously were you the one that nick were you the one that said you don't like audibly laugh that much at things yeah i'm fairly okay. quiet like i chuckle a lot if i'm watching yeah. a comedy or something but like to, I mean, yeah, to, I need to be in the right environment to really laugh at stuff. I mean, I get it because there's sometimes where I'm like, oh, it's my favorite show. And like and there might only be like one or two times I'm actually like, oh, my God, like actually like busting out laughing. It's usually just kind of me being like, hey. but but yeah, sometimes I feel like when we hear that you actually laugh at something, we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it's not just laughing. I just don't audibly like or visibly react at and, most things that I do. Like when, some, audibly enjoy. When, when something good happens, it's not like I'm expressive when I'm happy. I'm just I'm just vibing mm -hmm. the whole way through and it doesn't look like I'm any happier or any sadder than I usually am. That's how I am. So so anybody showing showing Nick a movie or show that you care about in person, don't watch for his reactions. <laughs> there will be no reactions. And at the end, there'll be no be, reaction. At the end, it'll just be a coin flip. Did you like it? Yeah. Did you hate it? Like, yeah, that was hilarious. If you've, if you've seen Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's like Holt. He doesn't show emotion. Except for there's one scene where uh, Jake's wife, I forgot her name, Sant Santiago, Amy. right? Mm -hmm. Amy Santiago. Yeah, yeah Amy. Amy Santiago. Uh, she's late for work and everyone starts taking bets oh, on to why yes. she's late Hot for damn. work. Hot <laughs> damn. Yeah. And Holt is like, she's yeah. at the bank and she got yeah. stopped for some reason. And when she finally There was a line at the in, bank. Exactly. That's what it is. And he finally yeah. just goes, well, that's hot damn. That, that's what makes it so great about It's like the moments you actually see him react, you're like, what is happening? But the whole like joke for the most of the show is that like he doesn't really, like he, he can just kind of state like, I am devastated or like it's the best day of my life and just be, just look so stoic. Yeah, it's great. So I kind of feel like that's watching Nick watch stuff. I'm going to pretend oh, yeah. to know what you're talking about. Nick, basically, you're stone-faced, and we can never tell if you actually enjoy something until the end of the movie when you go, yeah, it was mid. Okay, yeah, that's that's me. That sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like, there are just sometimes, like when watching those high school musical movies, I knew that mm -hmm. you were not having a great time, <laughs> but watching it with us made it that much better because we were making you have a good time, no, whether yeah. you liked it or not. Yeah, I am totally down <laughs> to watch to. I'm down to watch a piece of shit with with other people with and with the understanding that we're all there to make fun of it. That's fun to me. Yeah. 
just watching like watching that those any of those movies by themselves it would be miserable for me but yeah yeah it's it's the environment that you watch stuff in that can make it for you. I mean, that's yeah. one of the reasons I love either watching movies with y'all or friends in, in person or like one of the reasons I love all these commentary channels so much is because like, if a movie is going to be garbage, at least we can it can be garbage while we watch it together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we can all be <laughs> cracking jokes and being miserable about it together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that joke of like maybe the real fun was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yes. And when it comes to bad movies, that is always the case. Yep. That is, that's the only way to get through it. <laughs> Speaking of being creative, Kat, you and our good friend of the show, Bobby Mitchell. Bobby, hope yes. you're listening out there. Who's just a Bobby? Uh, you guys have a YouTube channel where you guys are uploading music covers each week. Tell us about that. Yeah, Bobby and I, I think honestly, not to make everything about my love for musical theater, but I believe we kind of connected on the Winger Discord because of Hamilton. And I think this is back when I was doing my campaign for for the wingers to do a commentary on it and i don't think it happened yet but I, or maybe it was it was just officially announced or something anyways bobby mentioned that he knew how to play wait for it a song from hamilton he knew how to play it on guitar and i was like oh my god send me the chords and and then he also started i mean bobby's a really ta- talented musician and then he started doing some instrumentals for the wingers and they had shared it on there and i just kind of casually was like if you ever want to collab i play these instruments and he's like yeah sure and then one day he's just like, hey, here's this song that we could do it. And it was Taylor Swift, which if you, if you know me, that was like instant connection. <laughs> so we did that. And then he's like, yeah, let's, let's do this cover together. And then at the end of it, he's just like, oh, we should call ourselves Bobcat because Bobby and Cat. And I was like, perfect. And then it just kind of became a thing of now we just do it every week. And it's great. I'm wondering, because this episode is going to come out after the Bobcat uh, announcement. Mm. Can you give us... Can you let us know what the song actually is? I mean, I if I can swear you to secrecy, because we... of course we'll, we'll release this us. Monday morning. Yeah, okay. we're gonna release this Monday morning. Okay, so it'll at least be on premiere by then, which means like the the it will be posted to like show the title. So we are doing this song that Bobby suggested. It's a really good song. I gotta make sure this shows how well I do my research. I want to make sure I don't say the band's name incorrectly. <laughs> Because I had never heard of them. And he's like, let's do this one. And I was like, okay, sure. Especially because the last one we did was a bit of a challenge for him. I'm like, if you want to pick this week's, like, by all means, I'll learn whatever. And the band is called Our Lady Peace. And the song is Innocent. And it's really good. It was really fun to learn. And I'm excited. Hmm. Everyone, make sure you go listen to Bobcat. They're doing Our Lady Peace Innocent. That's the song is Innocent by Our Lady Peace. So make sure once you listen to this, Go listen to Bobcat's cover of that song. It's going to be great. I can already tell. Yeah, we got an exclusive here. This is what your minor in journalism is is getting us, Manny. <laughs> exactly, yeah. My 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 three classes. I took three months of journalism to prepare for this moment. <laughs> and that's what it's led me to. <laughs> and then I know... Oh, uh, I can actually talk about that. Because I did see that. You did see what? You saw what? I saw He's All That. But we'll get oh, to that later. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. But yeah, I will just say that are at least the youtube versions of the songs go up on bobby's channel and it's just bobby mitchell and yeah it goes up on there i unfortunately don't remember what his it's, it's, it, he, he kind of just we kind of just put on all platforms we put on he puts on his instagram too and he puts on his tiktok which i unfortunately don't know the name of because i'm not on tiktok but we can like we'll figure it out you can if honestly if you just type in like bobcat and he might honestly have the links in his description. I meant to do some research before this, and then I forgot. So hopefully one way or another, you can stumble upon the videos. 
Yeah, just look it up on YouTube if you don't know. Everybody's got YouTube. I mean, yeah, there I should be in, links in that. I typed, video in, I typed as well. in, I typed in Bobcat, and it came up. So, <laughs> since I did not do the research, you can do it. <laughs> yeah. So Nick, yeah, but we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. What have you been watching this week? So the big thing I've been watching. We'll get to the one that might create a better discussion between the three of us in a second. Um, I watched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, all three of them again, within the last week. Now I don't know. I don't know if, if Kat can speak on this. I know you and I can talk about these movies for a solid year just nonstop. Um, but briefly, each movie, Spider-Man 1, I still think is great. Spider-Man 2, I still think is near perfect. And Spider-Man 3, I actually will defend to a certain extent and say I think it's pretty good. And I no. I liked it so, more than I did the last time I watched it. It's got pro like problems everywhere, but I think it's got an earnestness that I dig. And it's got a lot of pieces that I think mostly fall into place. Now, what I will say, I like the same really the Sam Raimi trilogy the best. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. I have always said that I think the Sony films look better than anything the MCU produced with Spider-Man. I think I, I we were talking about this earlier, not related to Sam Raimi, but I think Amazing Spider-Man 2 looks incredible. And I think that suit is fantastic, but that's for another episode. Mm -hmm. um, what I will say is that I actually enjoy the look of Spider-Man 3. I think each film looked better and better. And without going into my list of criticisms, which isn't a whole lot other than I don't like Toby and I don't like Kirsten Dunst, um, there's one thing that we can all agree on, and that's the fact that J. Jonah Jameson is played perfectly by J.K. Simmons. We can agree on that, yes. He was so good I, that they brought him back. He was the beginning of the multiverse. He was the beginning of the Literally. multiverse. Literally. <laughs> Because like, cause he didn't show up in Amazing Spider-Man or no. Amazing Spider-Man 2. We so got an we email in like, Amazing Spider-Man 2, didn't we? We did get an email. Yeah, we got an email of Jonah replying to Parker uh -huh. saying a bunch of stuff. I don't remember exactly what it said, but we never saw him. Yeah. But Spider-Man Far From Home, we did see J.K. Simmons return to J. Jonah Jameson. And he's been notorious for returning to that role multiple times. He voiced him in Ultimate Spider-Man, which was a Disney XD cartoon. He's done some of the video games as well, so it's not like he's ever left this role, but it was nice to see him come back to that role in person. Yeah, and they did I, they did a fun little twist on it, which is that he's Alex Jones now, pretty much. Which is a good modernization, I yes. think. I think yeah. when you talk about modernizing things for Spider-Man, that's one of the things that makes complete sense. Of course, he would be this Alex Jones or Joe Rogan kind of podcaster that spreads information that is or isn't true and uh and it's i think that's one of the good things that was also introduced in spider-man ps4 where jay jonah in that he had a podcast or radio show called just the facts with jay jonah jameson mm -hmm. and as you're playing through the game uh when you do certain like major events jay jonah will have a report on it calling you a menace or saying this and that about you and there is like a good one towards the end but even that turns sour but speaking about J. Jonah and J.K. Simmons, I just think the quick-witted responses that he gives in those films are just so perfect. Mm -hmm. There's one in Spider-Man 2 that I I love when he's trying to fire him and Betty Brandt is like, no, but we need him. He's like, all right, come back, you're on fire. <laughs> you're on fire. <laughs> it's one of those moments of just like, of course, of course J.K. Simmons would be this person. Yeah. There's the other one. It's also in Spider-Man 2 when they're talking about what to call Dr. Octopus. Oh, yeah. And they're like, they're, 
because uh, Sam Raimi wanted to do a Doctor Strange film, but they they say like Doctor Strange is like that's good, but it's taken. It's taken, and it's just like that little like like he's he's been denying it. He's like, no, it's crap, it's crap, it's crap, and then he comes to that. He's like, oh wait, that's good. It's like, oh, but it's taken, and he's like, oh, I got it. We'll name him Doctor Octopus, and it's like those kinds of things of stealing other people's ideas, uh-huh. and oh my god, J.K. Simmons is fantastic in that role. Yeah, he packs so much character in really an extremely small amount of screen time, especially in one and three. He's in more of two, but one and three, he's only got like two scenes in each of those movies. He really doesn't have much, but he makes more of an impression than pretty much anybody else in those movies. I agree. I think he makes, I think when you talk about the Spider-Man films, you can have opinions about Toby. You can have opinions about whoever and all this stuff, but there are key figures that always stand out. And for me, those have been Doc Ock, J. Jonah Jameson and Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. I think like those are the three that are pretty much universally agreed on as being the best parts of the Spider-Man trilogy that Raimi directed. I would also throw in Rosemary Harris's Aunt May, personally. She's like, in terms of character, what I think Aunt May should be. Uh, you can argue that she should have been younger. I think you, you, she can still be that kind of character a little bit younger, but I think she's perfect for what those movies are. She's perfect for that relationship with Peter. We talked about it a little bit earlier about saying how this felt way more like a 60s kind of film, like from the architecture, the way that it shot the golden hour lighting that this film sort of made common with Spider-Man. It definitely feels more 60s. So with that, I don't mind Rosemary Harris being that old. It's something that I've always thought of, of like, why is Aunt May always this old? And I think Sally, Sally Field was Aunt May in The Amazing Spider-Mans, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think she also does a really good job. I think she has a great speech in uh, Spider-Man, in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Like, as bad as that movie is, I think she gives a really good performance. Um, but I agree with you about uh, Rosemary Harris playing uh, Aunt May. I love when she, it sounds really mean, but I love when she gets taken by Dr. Octopus <laughs> in Spider-Man 2. It's just those things. Or when she's doing her the, uh, the Our Father prayer and... <laughs> Green Goblin just burst in and blows up her window. It's silly things like that that are like, sure, is it dated? Yeah. Is it campy? Yeah. But it's sort of the entire feel of them, in my opinion, feels dated. I feel like it's supposed to be set in the 60s. And so those kinds of performances don't really bother me as much. Yeah, I don't feel that they're dated in the way that you do. I think they're pretty universal. Like, I still think... They've got campy aspects, but I think they work for, again, I used the word earnestness earlier. That's the main takeaway that I have from all three of those movies is that there is an earnestness to them. There's like an honesty and a realism in like the quieter emotional sense, even though there is big superhero stuff happening around them and there's a lot of cheesy stuff everywhere. They're still focused on the heart of the movie, which is the characters, which is uh, Peter and MJ at the very least. And that's that's what I like about those more than I feel like we get we got from Amazing Spider-Man or from the Tom Holland movies so far is that I feel like we get more heart and more character from them. And I think the campiness and the overall aesthetic, I think, reinforces that in in a better way than it's been reinforced in the movies that we've gotten since. I would agree. I, I think I was reading something this week that said all of Toby's lines were meant to be read like sarcastically and like self-deprecating, but Toby played it really earnest mm-hmm. and that's why they come off as so goofy. And so I think that's something that's like a personal preference for me, a personal, a personal, personal. preference for me, <laughs> personal. <laughs> I think that's like a personal preference of me is that I do think he plays it too 
too dopey. Like, you can be dopey up to a certain point. I think in Spider-Man 2, he handles it a lot better. But I think in Spider-Man 1, it's just so dopey, derpy. I don't know. It doesn't work for me the way that it does for you or for other people. Um, but that being said, one of the things that I had mentioned earlier this week that I love, but for all the wrong reasons, is the person who plays... Uh, harry osborne not harry yeah harry osborne james franco uh yeah franco i think his acting goes from mid to bad to just great but for all the wrong reasons he's i think he's not good like no but i like him in spider-man one a lot i think his relationship with peter parker especially in the beginning is really well developed and i think by the time we get to spider-man 2 Regardless of the acting, I really like his character arc, and I feel like that's one of the things that I can say about uh, Raimi Spider-Man films, is that I might not always like the acting, but I enjoy the arcs a lot more than I will in other films. Yes, I think other than the short-term memory loss in 3, which feels like they're just killing time in that movie to get to the end, other than that, I like the arc that that character goes on. I really feel it emotionally when they team up at the end of 3, and I really feel it when, spoilers, for a 14-year-old movie, when he dies at the end, I still well up every what? time I watch. No, Damn it, Kat. How... I, I warned you. I warned you. <laughs> You're good. I, I, still, I still tear up a little bit at that, at that moment at the end, because it feels like a journey that they've gone on together. It legit does. Yeah. And I don't always feel that journey with other characters when, in other movies when they want you to feel like they've been through a lot together. Yeah, and, and it's not just limited to Spider-Man. It's just in general. There yeah, are lots just of in characters that will be like, oh, you have to go through this journey, but you don't feel it. One of the films that I like definitely feel that with is Lord of the Rings. Oh, I, I just watched all the extended trilogies. Uh, it Tre- was like Tread two lightly. months ago. I, listen, Tread lightly. I will say this. I love, I love Lord of the Rings. I watched all three extended films one day, one sitting. I think we just breaked to go get some food. But watching those films, I just, it's, they're so, they're so, they're such good uh, adaptations of the books because they really take what's fundamental for them. And sure, they might add a couple of things here and there, but I feel like what they do well is they make sure that the relationships between all the characters are well defined by the time that you get to the ending that it hits you emotionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it cool if I spoil it? Yeah, they're 20 years old. Go ahead. All right, cool. Just making sure. So, you know, we start off with the film. We're introduced to Frodo. We're introduced to Sam. We're introduced to Merry and Pippin, all this stuff. But what happens in Two Towers with the split in them, it gives them enough time to develop their characters by themselves. By the time that we get to three, we haven't seen, they haven't seen each other for what I'm assuming is months. They haven't seen each other for a long time so by the time that we get to that ending when they're all reunited again again and frodo is just broken by the way that he's had to carry carrying the ring dealing with Gollum, and having to make sure that sam is there with him it really just makes that ending of frodo saying i'm leaving i have to go i can't just stay still anymore that much more impactful because you understand oh, these were people that I grew up with in the Shire, but we went through all these journeys separately, but we grew together in a way. By the time that we get to the end, this is the family that I've made. These are my, you know, he's with his uncle Bilbo, I'm pretty sure, by the end of the film. But 
he has to say goodbye because it's just what he has to do. He's not content anymore just chilling out in the Shire. And I just find that such, so impactful in my opinion. Whereas like in other films you get like, oh, we went through all these journeys, but you don't feel like they've grown. I can tell the growth in Mary or in Pippin from Fellowship of the Ring to Return of the King. And it's just, they're just really well done is my whole point. Is that each character had their art. It was serviced well. Sure, some people might say that they're that the movies in general are long, and if you're watching the extended editions, they're even longer. And I can understand that. But for me personally, I'm so engrossed in the world of Middle Earth and these characters that I can just spend however long it takes with them. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think the point you're making about the four hobbits together, that that was something I was going to bring up because I always think back to the first movie. They're having drinks at that at that bar, that tavern or whatever in the Shire. And the Prancing Pony. Yep. No, that's in Bree. That's <laughs> not in the Shire. That's in Bree. Sorry. Yeah. I don't remember what, what the one is in the Shire. But anyway, they're all, they're all, you know, they're young, they're having drinks, they're just, they're having fun, and then they go through the whole journey, they get split up at a certain point, each character goes on their own individual journeys in the process, and they come back in the third movie at the end, and they're at the same place, they're having their drinks, they're with each other, but it's not the same anymore, they still love each other, but they just don't feel it in the same way that they used to, and I feel like, and I don't think this was necessarily like an intent on Peter Jackson or Tolkien's part necessarily, but it feels like what happens with friends that you grew up with, like friends that you go to school with, that you're around all the time, eventually you start going your separate ways, you start doing your own stuff, and you can get back together every now and then, but it won't have the same magic that it used to. And I think that's why that feels, that why that hits so hard at the end of Return of the King, is that in that sense it feels really real, even though it's in this huge fantasy world. Yeah, I think like for me personally, it's like when you have that friend that you've grown up with your entire life and all that other stuff. And you might not see them all the time because you guys have split ways and stuff. But when you do connect, it's something special. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the end of the film really does so well is you can see like they might not have been together the entire time. They, you know, Sam went and had his family with his wife and all this other stuff. But you can just feel that there is still love between all of them for everything that they went through. And the ending just hits so strong because you can see all of them grow in each film. And yep. I feel like we can relate that to our own lives of when you're with people, whether it's schoolmates or people that you meet on a Discord or something like that. But when you've grown with each other for so long and then parts just sort of start to splinter away and you guys go your own way but you still have that love for each other. When something finally just leaves or ends, it just hurts so much. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that film, all three films, really just hammer that in so well. Yep. Is the hurt that you'll get when you're having, well, not like fun. I mean, they were suffering. Oh my God. Frodo was having <laughs> a horrendous time. But like... Frodo was down bad. <laughs> Frodo Gollum was down bad for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the memory, even like in the tough times, the good times that you guys will have with each other just sort of hurts when someone leaves. Yep. And I feel like it does it so well. Yeah. You want to talk about me not reacting to stuff that often. I I'm bawling at the end of Return of the King every single time. Every single oh, it's, time. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Kat, we've been talking for a long time. <laughs> Did you have anything that you wanted to contribute to Spider-Man or Lord of the Rings? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of neither here nor there on them. I can, I, if someone wants to watch them or like I saw 
uh, homecoming in theaters because I worked there and I, and I was just like, I'm, if they look good, it's kind of, I kind of see them as like their own separate things as opposed to like, I'm not too invested, but if it looks good on its own and I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll watch it. So I can certainly see the appeal. I can see people's connection to, I mean, like I certainly have, I'm like, every, like y'all know at this point that I'm a big Harry Potter fan, even though at this point I can definitely acknowledge a lot of its flaws and stuff and say that certain things haven't aged well, but I also get that thing of whether it's Harry Potter or another book series or if there's a musical that's being adapted into a movie and there's any characters I care about, I can see why people get so passionate about portrayals and such and the history of it and and every little decision because you fall in love with these characters. So I can totally get all that. I just it was that's never been me for the superheroes or Lord of the Rings. But I mean, if it's if it's done well and the people are passionate about it, I'm just like more power to you. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I've been notorious for avoiding a certain film because of my because of my feelings about portrayals. So it's 100 Mm percent true. I'm sure if Harry was done wrong in in the Potter films, you would despise them for some reason or another because they don't impact you the way that the books did. And so I feel like that's something that all of us, like the three of us here, we all have that in common with one character or one story in particular. We'll get to one of them towards the end. (laughs) Um, but like we have that feeling of we want to see meaningful connections with people that we care for even if they're fictional Mm -hmm. I mean no I I, yeah I totally get it because like I said that's me with certain things me to a certain degree with portrayals of Raven from Teen Titans or Titans because I love her I haven't read all of her I'm not sure how many comics she's in I haven't like delved into that yet but it's certainly something I'm interested in but I've things like that or like with me falling in love with the stage show of Les Mis and being like and having probably an unhealthy obsession with Ebony and anytime I would see performances that read I was just kind of like eyeing them being like let's see like do you portray it the way that I did in my room when I was like 15 like do you are you singing this the way I would sing it like so I totally get that whole like you have this idea in your head or you see it from a like some whether it's performed or whatever you have a certain idea in your head of what it should be and it's so close to your heart that you don't want to you don't want the the, the the like the version that the world knows or even just a new version to go against what you already have that's so special to you so i completely get that nick you see anything else this week oh sorry i was gonna ask you one thing so that 20 uh, that 2010 Shyamalan movie you've never actually seen it i've seen it a couple times oh is that what you were referring you know, to a second ago yes of course because when you're a kid you'll watch anything but i haven't seen it in at least seven years or so okay you said avoiding it so i thought maybe you had never actually seen it at all no no no. i've seen it i don't want to see it again Mm, okay that's fair but i've definitely seen it. i just know i just want some clarification because i assumed you had seen it and then it came off like you had not no i have okay but we don't acknowledge it anymore so we're going to move on exactly yes all right and and i'm told and i'm totally not looking up which film was that year so we don't have to discuss it It's that animated show that that I'm not watching. The movie that they made about it. That's what I figured. Okay, the movie that doesn't yeah. exist. Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It, does, it doesn't exist. He he, yes. he watched a movie twice that doesn't exist. I don't know how it and, works. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure. I, like, I feel like that's how certain people. Like, I didn't get into the series until much later, honestly, when it became like a stage show. Because yes, everything's a musical at this point. But the Percy Jackson movies that don't exist. Like, I 
found them first for the movies because I think I, I think Perks of Wall, Being a Wallflower had recently come out and I was like Logan Learman and so when I saw the movies I wasn't attached to the books or anything I was just like oh these are cool and like my like 15 year old self was like whatever woo and then looking into the book looking into how much better the original was and looking into how much better the books were and like seeing how faithful the stage show then looking back at the movies and being like oh these are not good and like when you know that the original work of this amazing writer like wasn't was just kind of like ignored then it yeah so i totally get why the movie doesn't exist i mean it bothers everybody (laughs) i haven't heard one person say a nice thing about it not one person no i i can't think of one nice thing the the best thing that i can say about that movie is that Dev Patel was not awfully cast in that film, mm. but even he hates the movie. So <laughs> yeah. we don't I mean, I ha- we don't say anything it's, good about it's, the film. It's one of those things where I haven't seen it, but it's, it's again one of those things where I think I thankfully have seen enough to know because of like all the commentary channels I watch and seeing them react to it and being like, oh no. Like seeing clips and being like, I've seen enough and like and just and, and that it's the whole package of, of wrongness because like it's not just like oh it was whitewashed or oh it's this or like this one element that really bothered me it's like no every single like pretty much every <laughs> single element is done the wrong way from the beginning of the film it was wrong you don't mm-hmm. open up with text you open up with the with the it's the it's the voiceover you start off with the whole backstory of the four nations what they did was they did a t- sorry nick we went into avatar talk what, what have i done uh, <laughs> what have i done <laughs> <laughs> what they did was they start they started off with a text scroll saying like a hundred yeah. years and I'm like no you can what, do the voiceover they... you can like they start off doing like the four elements it's wrong because they mishandled the bending in that movie completely and mm-hmm. it looks horrendous yeah. but like yeah. that's what they started off with so why not just do the entire thing yeah. or have well, you know Grand Grand say that when they're at the when they're at the South oh, Pole Grand like, Grand we love Grand Grand in this we house. love Grand Grand but like, didn't I again this is just for me seeing clips of other people watching it but it looked like I don't know if it was before or after the text but it looked like they recreated the really cool opening like when she when she's like earth but it was like silent like when it shows the the benders like on like like how in the in the like in the show it's the opening that like may whitman does and like i think that they like filmed that just without the speech and then right after that it had the dialogue it had like the text and it's like you're kind of like why not just do those together (laughs) that is exactly what they did they had the bending just silent with the music Mm -hmm. that wasn't even good because oh my god just get the original people to do the music anyways i can go on an entire tangent of why about why that movie is bad but before we before we move off of avatar talk Mm -hmm. uh you mentioned two things that are my favorite thing in the world and they're related to each other one was anime not anime one was avatar and then the second one was person being a wallflower and they have one thing in common and that's may whitman may whitman plays Yeah, Mae Whitman plays Logan yeah. Lerman's girlfriend in the film. Oh, that one and, scene. Uh, oh, I'm thinking about it now. Why? Oh, I feel so bad. I'm forgetting her name. Well, because, yeah, because it's the, she's she's in the friend group and then she, yeah, she like, she's, she kind of like decides they're dating. He's kind of like, Whoa, and he's like, but I'm in love with Sam. And is it Mary Elizabeth? Mary Elizabeth, I yeah. I just remember Patrick- Mary Elizabeth. Why are you trying to kill Christmas or like eat Christmas yeah, or something? Exactly. Yeah. And they're, uh, and they're downstairs and uh, Patrick, who's played by. I forgot his name, but he's Ezra the Flash. Miller. Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. Yeah, played by Ezra Miller. 
and he's like, I dare you to kiss the prettiest girl in the room. And yeah. he kisses, no. he kisses yeah. Sam. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, I, a lot of people skip yeah. that scene. I don't because I like to feel miserable. Um, <laughs> I haven't watched just- it. I haven't watched it in a while because it's one of those things where the movie is so powerful to me. And I have, and I like, I remember being emotional just as soon as the movie started because after I read the book, I was like, I must see this movie. But there's certain movies I have to be careful. Like I have to watch them with other people because I'm really not. I'm not good with endings where, or like, I'm not good with movies where it's like talking about change or moving on. Like I have to be careful watching those, and so that one like sometimes puts me in an existential crisis of like everything is fleeting and like they're infinite. And I want to feel like and like all that. So it's beautiful, but it's like because of the it's it's really well done in the movie, but because of the intense trauma that he goes through later in the movie i'm like i can't just like pop it in like on a on a regular night and just be like let's watch perks of being a wallflower so i will say I, I haven't seen it as much but i mean it was it was done i mean obviously it was done well it was steven jabowski like did the did the movie too but i mean but, steven oh. jabowski is doing another mm-hmm. film that yeah, comes out next week that uh next week ne- no 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 two weeks two weeks from now oh i didn't i still didn't know it was so soon yeah, because next week is Come From Away, and then the week after is Dear Evan Hansen, and Stephen Chbosky is directing that. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. You, wrote, you wrote my favorite book, you directed my favorite movie, and now I'm going to see you do this. I, I am going to see it. We, we, we can talk about... Dear, that's okay, a we whole can, like, other story. I will, I, will ju- I, will, I will just say briefly, re- regardless, I'm glad that more people are hearing the story. If, if it helps any more people, like... And the music is gorgeous, and yeah, we can get into it later. But <laughs> I, I like, I like the song "You Will Be Found." I think it has a great mm-hmm. message. Um, mm-hmm. The rest of the film, not so much. The rest of the story, I get it, not I, so like, much personally. But that's just a yeah. preference thing. I know that yeah. it's become a thing to dunk on the film, and I don't want to be one of those people that dunks on the film. I'll be that guy. I mean, it's, it's, really it's a like, preference. It's one of those. It's one of those things where, like, as somebody who loves the musical, I I can also like acknowledge the things where it's like. Yeah, that's that's easy to make fun of, but yeah, I don't know. Either, either way, like regardless of how great or as you say mid the movie is, I know that from from the fact that I heard you will be found in the theater for a trailer during another movie and just like just hearing it, even though the trailer before hadn't really moved me per se, just hearing it in the trailer and like or like hearing it in the excuse me the theater, just like immediately like practically moved me to tears. So I think just the gravity of it all and how much it means to me, regardless of what of the quality of it or what have you or regardless of opinions and like opinions that make complete sense but regardless of all that i will probably be a blubbering mess and i'm looking forward to it for sure and and i definitely felt the same way like when i saw the trailer and i heard the music and stuff Mm -hmm. there's one part in you will be found where they start repeating you are not alone and that really that that, that's the part that always gets me like regardless of what i think about the rest of the musical I really do like that song, and I do sometimes, like that. Sometimes, so, yeah. Sometimes I'm just I, sitting there with it. Yeah. Go ahead. I'll repeat ahead. it to myself. I'll repeat it to myself. Oh, when I yeah. like when I'm feeling down, I'm like you're yeah, not like alone. I'm getting I'm getting chills right now just thinking about it. Like there's certain times when I'm just kind of listening to it, like kind of like half listening to it, just kind of whatever. And there's other times when I'm listening to it when I really need it, and just listen to that part and like really letting the words sink in. And suddenly I'm like, okay, I need a minute. Like, and also for some reason the part with like the cyber like the virtual like community when they start speaking for some reason and that just like I, I mean you'll see this in anything I talk about whether it's the movie we're going to talk about or anything just like that sense of community and just coming together and supporting like always gets me emotional so 
I feel like it would get me emotional if it weren't for the rest of the circumstances of the film. <laughs> and that's and that's where we'll leave that. Yep, I can yep, I I respect your opinion. Because <laughs> I will because I will most likely end up talking about that when I end up seeing it. Probably. We can have some discussions. Exactly. <laughs> you can have Nick's those discussions. Up. Yeah, yeah. Have... Nick, we went on we went on a couple tangents without you there. Yeah. Character seventeen played by a twenty seven year old that looks thirty seven. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I had one thing I was going to mention that I that I watched. <laughs> Hold on, man. Because it's a big thing. You, you'll be happy I stopped you. Did you see my letterboxed in the last day? I did see your letterboxed. I saw the film that you're talking about. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, before you... Am I am I following you? I think I'm following you on letterboxd. I don't know. Everyone go follow Nick Reeves on Letterbox. Hold on. Let me, <laughs> let me find the letterbox so I can plug the username. Well, well, I don't know why I, I Will I be interested by this movie? I think you probably will. Hold on. Okay, I wonder wait. if she will. I'll look at it right okay. now. My letterbox is the same as my other social media. It's Reeves underscore 117. Follow me there for some bad takes. All right. Reeves. He does have some bad takes. All right. Reeves let me say it, Kat, so I can surprise you before you look up the account. Okay. I watched the 2004 animated film Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. We're talking and, about uh, Shark Tale, baby. And uh, it's not good. It's, it's really not good. I have no strong connection to it. I remember thinking it was kind of funny when I was young, but again, I'm neither here nor there on it. So say what say what you will. I I think Manny's a big fan of it, so tread lightly. I I guess, but yeah, like I saw it. I remember I saw it probably once or twice when I was a kid, and I had no strong feelings about it. I think I think I liked it, but like I didn't like Shrek Two came out the same year, and I watched Shrek Two over and over again. Like that one, That's I really loved. Hard to, to, comparing those two, though, because like Shrek Two is like on another level. Yeah, but they're the same studio and they came out in the same year, so I feel okay, like you have fair. to you have to compare them at least. Okay, yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's how my brain works, at least. But like, yeah, I watched I, I watched it last night, and I'm like, this is just not good. This is really dull. <laughs> like everybody's just like the whole movie. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like I feel like I've seen this entire movie before just in live action with real people and they just put it down in the ocean because because Shrek was a big deal and DreamWorks wanted to make more animated movies. So they just got a bunch of stars, they brought in a bunch of character archetypes and they made the most basic ass movie that you've ever seen. And it's not charming in the slightest, it's just dull. And- oh, now hold on. It okay. is charming because of one person. And that's my boy Marty Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. Your boy. Is fantastic in the film. How much is he actually in it? I don't pretty remember. Pretty sizable amount. Yeah. He's okay. a pretty sizable amount. I'm, I, yeah. didn't, like, I, I didn't. I did. In terms of screen time, he's probably got the second most of anyone in the movie. Okay. Yeah, because he's always with, well, not always, but he has a lot to do with Will Smith's yeah. character. I haven't watched it since I knew who he was, so. Yeah, when I, when I watched it, I didn't know who the voice of that fish was. I just knew that I liked that fish. But now that I know that it's Martin Scorsese, <laughs> an extra five points. It's an extra five points on that film. How's how's his voice acting? Oh, he's fine. Like it's he's done. Bad. He's done acting yeah. before. He's totally fine. Okay. I think no, I think I on the I think on the director's acting in their stuff scale, he's much better than Tarantino is. If if that's where we're gonna set the bar, because Tarantino is terrible. So we're saying <laughs> I think every time he's on screen in any capacity, I think he's totally fine. Okay. Uh, what, what's he what's he like compared to Shyamalan? Uh, I've only seen, I've only seen Shyamalan, oh no, I guess Shyamalan's in all his stuff. He's I don't, pretty much all his stuff. Yeah. I don't remember, because I've seen The Sixth Sense, and- <laughs> Was he in the movie that didn't exist? Oh. <laughs> oh, was he? That's how I much don't I don't remember. Okay. That's how much I've made that movie go I'm gonna, away okay, from my brain. Okay, you keep talking, I'm gonna look up his credits. Okay, well, yeah. Uh, I do remember in Sixth Sense, he was a doctor in one scene, 
And like that's that would be before anyone knew who he was or what he looked like. So that was fine. In old, he actually has a part. And oh. I had a kind of meta reading of his part in the movie. I don't think either of you have seen it. And obviously it's recent, so I won't go into spoilers for anybody out there. But I was there, gonna say I don't care, but <laughs> Yeah. I just had a kind of meta reading of of his role in that movie and how parallels to real life him being a filmmaker and manipulating people. That's all I'll say. Um so like it's not like his performance is particularly good. Uh we got off topic. Let's get back to Shark Tale. <laughs> Speaking of Scorsese. That that movie was how I learned who Scorsese was, and I thought he was an actor because of that. I asked my mom, because I, I saw that trailer a million times on my Shrek 2 DVD. I asked my mom who who Martin Scorsese was. I'm like, oh, he's is he is he like an actor? And she's like, I didn't know he was an actor. He just makes a lot of movies. And I'm like, huh, okay. You're and like, then what like do you mean? And then like five years passed before I saw anything that he ever made. Because I was six years old when that movie came out, when Shark Tale came out. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's it's nothing to me like i felt nothing watching it it's, i was bored you're nothing. i was bored <laughs> you come from nothing you're nothing, you're nothing. <laughs> you're nothing. I, I was bored the whole way through and it was it was really short too but it was it was hard to get through just did nothing for me whatsoever you can talk about it manny good soup uh no i don't really have any strong feelings towards shark tale it's not a good movie i just like it for the memes <laughs> okay uh, so it, yeah it was a meme movie for us that you you brought up a yeah, couple yeah. times it, it's no of course it is it's not a good film I'll put it on every now and then <laughs> just because of like, oh, this is a movie I grew up with in my childhood, but it's not good. I mean, we all have our garbage movies or garbage TV shows where we're like, this is horrible, but I need to watch it right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like for some people, it's Glee. For some people, it's Riverdale. For me, it's <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what mine is. I don't know what my garbage is. What's my garbage? Avatar. <laughs> I was, I was no. going to say. Oh, come on. Avatar. No, fuck I was, you. No, I was gonna say I was gonna say that, but I was afraid he never talked to me. <laughs> yeah, James Cameron's Avatar. No, fuck you. Um, Batman and Robin, I've watched a lot. Like, I know that movie's terrible, but it's gleeful in how terrible it is. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There's your film. I think I think I've got one out there, but I can't think of it. Nah, you probably did. You probably do have one. I watched a couple of things this week. Go ahead. A lot of TV, so not as many movies. Um, Ew. but I think me and Cat can bond on at least one of these so first thing that i watch uh nick have you heard about only murders in the building not a word i have no idea what this is i have only murders in the building is a new hulu tv show starring selena gomez steve martin oh okay martin short martin short yeah martin short yes uh the guy from the santa claus 3 the escape clause yes that's that's the only thing he's ever done yeah That movie also doesn't exist. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a delightful film. It's more okay. It's okay. I'll say this: it's much more tolerable than the other one. But but yeah, sorry. When I think Martin Short, I think of him as Jack Frost in Santa Claus Three. He was Anyways. in like SNL or something. He has a much better. No, yeah, no, yeah. He, he's a much better. He's a much better actor than. But all that maybe stuff, for our, but... maybe for our generation, that's like the first time we saw him. Yeah, like when sad. I think of, like when I think of Steve Martin, I think about Cheaper by the Dozen, not yeah. the Three Amigos. Like I don't know what to yeah, say. Yeah, I think a, I think a Cheaper by the Dozen too. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a show, and they all play um, people that are living in this apartment building in New York. It's a nice apartment building, and someone dies. And so they have, like, a brief interaction in the beginning where they're all getting into an elevator. But before the person dies, each of them is listening to a true crime podcast in mm. their own, like, respective rooms. So by the time that the building gets evacuated, they all end up in a restaurant and they all start bonding over this true crime podcast 
So the whole point of the show is they are trying to solve who murdered this person or who committed or like why they committed suicide and all this stuff. Mm. But they're doing it from the perspective of people that listen to true crime, but they all have like their own little secrets and stuff. It is incredible. It is quite mm. delightful. Incredible. I know that you don't, I don't know that you want, I don't, I know that you don't watch a whole lot of TV and I don't expect you to watch this, but it is quite enjoyable. I will say Martin Short on IMDb, his, the, like just new like actor, the first thing it says is Santa Claus 3. So no. maybe that is. <laughs> What did I tell you guys? Santa Claus Three: The Escape. Clause. Wasn't he? Wasn't he like a, a a member on SNL or something? I want to say that's right. Um, Brian, maybe yeah. Ken? I think he was. I oh yeah, say Brian definitely was. listens to this show. Do you think right. he knows we yeah, exist? Brian's totally. <laughs> no, not at all. It's a really interesting show. It's Selena's first return back to acting in a while, and um, I don't know the whole history of Steve Martin and Martin Short, but this is the first thing that I've seen them in in a while. It's actually developed by Steve Martin. And it's really interesting to see the different stories that they'll bring out. Like Steve Martin was an actor on an old TV show. And so in order to sort of hide himself from other people, what he'll end up doing is he'll tell other people that might not know his characters or like that. He'll tell them lines from the show that he did to sort of be, Mm. to like, confide in only himself and there are some other things like they have a recurring thing about a cooking an egg in the first episode and he explains uh to selena gomez's character at one point um that he lives alone and so you sort of see what does that really mean for him and why is that egg so important and all those kinds of things that i really enjoy martin short has a great he has this great sort of character of he was a Uh, Broadway director who directed a lot of things that didn't get you know a whole lot of traction and ended up screwing over a lot of people and you see how that's affected his family and his son and his grandchildren and all that stuff and sort of the performance that he's still trying to put on while being this person and we don't know a whole lot about Selena Gomez's character other than uh, when she was a kid her and a group of friends would try to solve fake crimes in their apartment or in their houses um so they would like call themselves the hardy boys and so you sort of see the way that that plays into the story it's really interesting they're doing it uh weekly episodes and we got the first three on tuesday tuesday i can i can see myself binging that so i'll report it's i'm not a true crime person i mainly watch this because i like the main three actors and they all Mm -hmm. have great chemistry with each other and it's really it's it's funny for one thing, I mean, you have two comedy legends, um, mm-hmm. but it's interesting, and I'm curious to see where it ends up going. They have Sting at one point show up. <laughs> sure, because why not? The singer? Yeah. No, Nick, not the wrestler Sting. Okay, the, the, the wrestler is sting. who I think of, always. I know. I didn't know there was a singer Sting until like five years ago. Are you proud of me that I knew that there was a wrestler named Sting? I am proud of you that you knew the wrestler named Sting. The man called Sting, as they call him. Listen, Sting is having, he's part of the AEW pay-per-view this weekend with CM Punk. He'll be in Darby Allen's corner against CM Punk. I'm I'm ordering that pay-per-view. Exactly. 50 United States dollars. All right. Oh, my God. Jeez. (laughs) Good thing I have a job. Okay, move on. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Kat, did you have anything to say before Nick cut you off? Uh, About what? I can't remember what we were talking about. No. All right. I'll move on to the next (laughs) one. So, after I watched Only Murders in the Building, I watched 
the first two episodes of season four of AP Bio. Hmm. Oh, that show. And this is a show that started four or five years ago or something like that with Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He helped create and write the show. But he's an AP Bio teacher that doesn't want to teach his kids AP Bio. And so instead they get into all these wacky adventures uh, that usually end up with someone being hurt. This is probably the funniest season so far. The first two episodes that I saw were there's a tornado warning and they all have to hide like in the hallways and stuff of the school and they're all creating fan fiction. All the students are creating fan fiction about the <laughs> faculty members. And so like you'll uh. start a scene that's like an actual scene of two people talking. They'll walk into a room. The camera lighting will change. The costumes will change. Something like that. The acting will get all dramatic. And then you'll be in a fan fiction. And so oh, it's God. it's really funny in that way. And then the second episode that was hilarious was um, the principal played by Patton Oswalt. He in oh. he enforces a uniform. Like everyone has to be wearing a uniform. So Glenn Howerton, Glenn Howerton's character says, "Listen, you're gonna inflict a uniform on everyone. Uh, they're gonna start a weird cult." And so because of that, because he doesn't want to wear a uniform, he starts a cult with one of the kids in the class. <laughs> and so what he does is sure. he takes all of his therapy lessons that he that he goes to therapy for and he gives that to all of the students and they start worshiping him like a cult leader in the classroom so one of the one of the females becomes the wives of everyone in the classroom um two of the characters are like hey what are you doing here it's like oh i'm having his babies and so (laughs) it's that kind of just completely ridiculousness that isn't at all set in reality but mm-hmm. just those funny scenarios of being like, oh, it's a kid doing this. And it's it's that sort of South Park good boys effect of, oh, these kids shouldn't be doing that. Wow. <laughs> that show got canceled and brought back, didn't it? It got canceled on NBC. And then and they then brought it got to brought back on Peacock. Peacock. The cock, as I call it. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine campaign, I do remember from a few years ago when that got canceled and they brought that it back. That was amazing. Yeah. And like 20, within, within like 24 hours. I remember those 24 hours because I was yeah. very sad. <laughs> and I was like, What? Weak. I was tweeting about it. I was I was very because I think I I think I was like this this shows why I shouldn't look on news at work because like then the rest of the shift I was like hi <laughs> I'm like hi how can I help you? Um, <laughs> no, I'm very professional. But I remember seeing that and being like what no? And then waking up the next morning, everybody was like oh we can save Brooklyn Nine Nine. I was like tweeting like mad. I was like save this show. And then it worked. And I was just like oh my god. And, it was thanks was, to you. Was, it didn't work until you it, started. It was tweeting. all because of me. It wasn't. It wasn't because yeah. of Lin Manuel Miranda. It wasn't because of Mark Hamill. It wasn't because of Guillermo del Toro. It wasn't any of those big names. It was because me. <laughs> yeah, never underestimate who, the power of the Midwest. <laughs> I mean, you've seen what I did with you. Seen I got I got Christian to watch Hamilton. So anything you got possible. me to watch Hamilton. I got you to watch, and I got you to go to a screen of In the Heights. So you're welcome. You didn't actually get me to do that. I was just going. You, you were like, I haven't. You were like, I don't know what any of these are. But I'm gonna go, and then yeah, yeah. So I liked it. I'm, we'll get to it later. Good. We'll get um, to it later. Yeah. But I was bringing up the Brooklyn Nine Nine thing because I remember a much smaller scale of that when AP Bio got canceled, but it was enough mm. apparently. I assume it was more NBC just realizing uh, we need some sort of content for Peacock because we're not doing any of our own stuff right now. We're just banking on the Office. That. Yeah. I genuinely think that the ratings were just really low. I don't think well, it's a hugely successful show other than the people that watch it. It's kind of like that Parks and Rec effect of it yeah. wasn't getting a whole lot of viewers, but it's a good, but it's quality. And well, so, I also, f- 
Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't have anything else. I was just going to say, I also feel like it's tough with shows that are still, that still premiere on like TV channels is I'm not, I'm not sure how they've adjusted. I don't, I haven't looked into it. So I'm not sure how, if they've adjusted their rate, their like how they view ratings. But I feel like for a long time now, like how, at least when it was like Nielsen ratings, I'm not sure if it's still Nielsen ratings, but the amount of times that they're like, oh, nobody watches this show. And then, and then like they cancel it and there's an uproar. It's like, cause however they're viewing it however they're viewing the ratings is not showing all the people because like so many people will watch it online later in the week or like through some other streaming service or what have you and so whenever they're like nobody watches the show and then suddenly the whole internet breaks down because it's canceled like it, it's just one of those frustrating things that shows don't often get people don't think they're getting the, the attention that they are because because of like the immediate ratings of it so yeah, but I do, I've not playing devil's advocate or anything, but I do understand it from a network perspective where they're like, we, yeah. need, we need people to watch live. That's how we make our money is the ad revenue. To- totally. Yeah. Totally. And like, it's if, just a if, tough thing. It's just a tough thing of being like, well, these are the times. And if it's not like, if it's, if they can't binge it on a streaming service or so, like, if it's not, if you're not viewing these as well, then it's, it's just a t- tough product of like being in that, that middle ground of like, I get that this is how you're, I get that you need your numbers, but there is proof elsewhere that people are watching it just unfortunately not in the way that you want them to so it's like that tricky situation yeah i think the only stuff that actually gets ratings that reflect popularity are sports and like the very biggest shows on tv that's pretty much it mm, yeah hey pretty much it pretty much um, hey. <laughs> hey. but Watch yeah YouTube. so so when it like got canceled the first time i wasn't by any means surprised but i was sad but i'm glad that it's mm-hmm. back because it's a good cast of people that are in the show it's good comedy people and it's a lot of good young actors i know one of them uh the guy who plays dan decker he was also in one of my favorite shows of last year we are who we are which is on hbo and hbo max um but it's an italian uh air force base kind of show and he and he gives a really good dramatic performance in that so it's good seeing the dramatic and the comedic side of those actors uh moving on i saw this week's episode of ted lasso a good episode. I'm not going to say a whole lot because I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Uh, but Roy Kent, good for you. And then he CGI. Did you know that? Oh, I did. I did know that. I did know <laughs> that uh, Apple TV Plus made a CGI person to see if we could sell. I saw some tweet about that. And I didn't know what was going on, so I was just like, okay. I think it was. Just, oh, no, I think I think it was. It was our Discord. <laughs> yeah, I think I brought it up. It was like one tweet I saw that got like a decent amount of traction, and they were like, "There's no way this guy's actually real. He's totally CGI." And then I saw a reply that was like, "I think this is legit. Apple using all their money to set, to test CGI and see if we actually notice." I'm not. I don't believe it, but I'm intrigued by that idea. I would be fascinated if that were actually the case. I mean, hey, if they've got the money, why They've not? got the money. There's no doubt yeah. that they've got the money. They've oh, for sure. Exactly my point. Like, they've got the money. So like, I could say they one of their things of like, sure. Like, like, it's just an idea on the board. And they're like, yeah, let's try that one this week. Yeah. Um, but then last night at 10 p.m., I made a very rash decision because I was looking for tickets and they were sold out until Saturday. But there were still some left for last night at 10 p.m. I went and saw Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, I like the movie. I think it's good. I think it has some of the best action. I think it has one of the most charismatic characters that we've seen. I also love Simu Liu. I, I probably pronounced that wrong, Simu, but I'm going to say Simu. He's great in Kim's Convenience. I really like Tony Leung in the film. I think he's a great villain. I, I had this discussion with a friend of mine earlier today talking about his role in the film. I think he did a fantastic job the cgi in this film is horrendous it's it's really bad 
I don't know what happened. Marvel has had a down streak since Black Panther, I would say. No, Black Panther um, looked bad too. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like since oh, okay, Black okay. Panther, the movies have been going down. I think for the most part, Infinity War was fine. Except there, was some. there was some, but I think Hulk, for the most part, that's fine. Yeah, I think Endgame for the most part was also fine. Just the end battle being visual clutter. But for the most part, the effects were good. But Black Widow had really bad CGI. Shang-Chi mm-hmm. has really bad CGI. Black Panther had really bad CGI. And I was discussing this with my friend today. And I said, how is it that Star Wars can do so much practically? They'll shoot so much practical effects. They'll shoot on location. They'll build really good sets and release them, not at the same amount of time, of course. But, I mean, if you're talking about developing one Marvel movie, Black Panther has taken three years. Three years. No, four years. Because it came out in 2014, 20, not 2014, 2018. 2018. It's starting to shoot <laughs> this, it started shooting this month. Yeah. And so that's most likely going to come out next year or 2023. So four to five years well, to get Black Panther out. They also obviously had a big monkey wrench thrown into their plans. They did have a big monkey wrench. But let's say something like, um, like the Spider-Man films. Obviously, you know, Tom Holland's book, you know, working a whole lot. But that was, what, three years between each film? Two. It's been 2017, 2019, 2021. Yeah, so two years between each film. Yeah. Star Wars had the same thing. It was two years between each film. It was every other year. And a movie in between each year. And a movie in between each year. How is it that Star Wars can look so much better than Marvel? Well, if you ask me, I think Rise of Skywalker looked pretty bad. Like, I think I think visually it looks bad, but I don't think the effects are horrendous. They're not as bad as the MCU's been. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I think visually I don't like the look of Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> but I think for the most part the effects what they do use is done pretty well. Like I'm not going to say like Avatar levels of good or anything like that, but they're good go. visual effects. They are like good fundamentally. I don't see a whole lot of like, oh, I can tell that's fake. Other than Palpatine, that's really the only thing that I can remember looking horrendous. But for the most part, it all looks good. When I'm watching Black Widow, I can see, oh, the lighting is different between her face and the background. Oh, when I'm watching Shang-Chi, I can tell that's definitely a CGI thing. That's a CGI thing. That's a CGI thing. Outside of the normal stuff. Like, I can, like, I know... This isn't a spoiler. I hope not. It's in the trailers, and I don't really think you care, Nick. Um, Abomination's in the film. Yeah, he's in there what? real quickly, and then he's out. Cat's favorite. Like, <laughs> My favorite. I know, right? Cat's <laughs> favorite is Abomination. Obviously. Um, but he's he's in the film for maybe a total of thirty seconds, oh. and then he's out. And <laughs> even he doesn't look great. He looks fine because he's only there for a couple seconds. But like he doesn't look that good. Um, he looked better just, in the movie from 13 years ago is what you're saying? I don't know about that because I haven't seen Incredible Hulk in a long time. This is definitely a most stylized version of Abomination. And when I say stylized, I mean cleaner. It's not yeah. all veins, all muscles, all the bones cracking out. It's an evolved version of Abomination. Even with that, I can just see like, okay, so that one wasn't terrible, but this looks bad. That looks bad. That window is definitely not real. This background is completely fake. 
And the other thing that's really been getting me is the color correction. I don't know how a GIF that someone makes of a film ends up looking better than the actual film. <laughs> it's just, it's bothering me. Yeah, you can tell, and I don't know if it's, you know, Lucasfilm is technically its own company. They're all, it's obviously Marvel and Lucasfilm are separate. They're both under the Disney umbrella. I think in general, there's probably more effort put in. Well, you can tell the effort that's put in on the, on the Lucasfilm side compared to Marvel. And I know it's been discussed that Disney uses VFX. I think they bring in a bunch of different VFX people and they constantly churn them out because uh, visual effects artists aren't unionized like other positions in Hollywood are. So they can like crunch them. They don't have, you know, they don't have those protections and stuff like that. I think they just rush those movies out a lot. I'm sure with Black Widow and with uh, Shang-Chi, they've been rushed, especially because they've they've had COVID to deal with in the last year. And those movies, I guess Black Widow was close to being finished when COVID happened. But Black but, Widow was supposed to come out like the month after COVID Yeah, it was supposed started. to come out in May. Yeah, I would just, just kind of spitball in there. I think it's probably, at least within the individual companies themselves, it's a bit of a difference in philosophy. I think you can tell Marvel, like, Marvel's basically, they just have directors for hire most of the time. And Star Wars, they seem like they put a bit more thought into people they bring in. And they also, like, you know, John Favreau has a certain philosophy. Um, and J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson obviously have their own visual philosophies. J.J., at least in Force Awakens, did a lot of practical stuff. Yeah, I, I, I still think I really love the look of Force Awakens. I, I hate the look of Rise of Skywalker. I, I do, mean, too. Like, I, I just, you, you. In my personal opinion, you can't deny that Last Jedi is the best, the best looking Star Wars film. And that's where I'm going to leave it. I think it's, I guess, like the cleanest, but, you know, it's a galaxy and a long time ago and blah, 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 blah. I think visually that film is incredible. You could pick a still from that film and you can be like, oh, that's a really good looking shot that I yeah. don't think you can get from a lot of the most recent Marvel films. No, like none of the Marvel movies, at least MCU. I won't say about Marvel movies. because Guardians 2. Yeah, but it all looks really fake. I think, no, 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 but I'll say, but I think what Guardians 2 does well, I like there's one shot in my head specifically that I'm thinking of, and that's Gamora in the field when she that. takes out yeah. her sword. Yeah, when she takes out her sword and she like cuts that flower head. To me, that is so visually stimulating. It's visually, like it's it's been in my head since that movie has I come it was out. Gorgeous, yeah. Whereas I don't feel that a lot of the last i would say since black panther because when i think about the last like films what i think of them is iconic shots but nothing that's visually good or visually i don't want to say like challenging but different i think black panther has a couple of those i think there's I think anything with T'Challa on the throne just looks good in my personal mm -hmm. opinion i think a lot of the set design is good i mean they have one street that they walk through but i think like the throne looks good the palace looks good mbaku's uh palace looks good in the cave i think the costume design is incredible in black panther so i think all of that looks good but a lot of the films since them haven't had anything that has stood out to me personally like ant-man and the wasp i can't think of a single thing spider-man far from home i can't not yeah far from home i can't think of a single thing Endgame, I can think of that shot where Cap is standing up against Thanos' army and it's him by himself and then the portals happen and all that stuff. So I can think of that, but like I cannot think of a single shot that was memorable. Whereas in Guardians 2, which I will still come back to, <laughs> I can think of so many shots in that film that are just visually memorable that the, that the last couple haven't had.
no, I'm I'm with you in that sense. All I was going to say about Guardians 2, and I don't want to argue about Guardians 2 with you, but all I was going to say is that I still think, even though it's very colorful, which I appreciate compared to how gray most of Marvel Marvel's output is, it's colorful, but I still think it just looks, it looks artificial. Like, the plants they're on, I think they go too far in the colorful direction to the point that I don't buy, I don't buy anything of where they're at. Like, I can easily tell that it's all fake, which drag, it pulls me out a little bit. But like I appreciate that it's more colorful and has a bit more of a visual identity because every pretty much everything else Marvel does is just gray rooms, gray corridors. There's not like they're in color, obviously, but there's not there's nothing standing out visually about any of them. I, I don't know. I, I did a tweet the other day about someone was talking about the the scene where all the the female heroes come together in Endgame, and they posted a still from it, and I was like, I have no, I don't have a problem with this scene, but the still you posted the the heroes on the ground are blending in with all the gray and the debris in the background and the sun is really washed out so i literally can't see any of the characters on the ground in this screenshot you posted and that's kind of the problem it's like they try to do something visually and then it completely undercuts the actual moment that they're doing because you can't see the characters like it's it's stuff like that that bothers me yeah 100 percent. i'm with you but all i'm gonna say about the film good action it's i think the best since winter soldier Everyone's going to be talking about that bus fight scene, as they should. The first half of the movie has humor that I think you actually won't hate. Because I know that you're particular about stuff. I think you'll like the first half more than you will the second half. I think that's a given. But uh, there's something that happens in the bus fight that I think you will actually laugh at. We'll see. I do I do plan on actually seeing this. As of this recording, I'm probably going to see it next will week. Will he audibly laugh? And we'll see. I don't think he's gonna audibly laugh. I think he'll <laughs> Yeah, it's like a, it's like in Bo Burnham's special Make Happy, uh the last song that he sings where it's like maybe you exhale out of your nose, that's gonna be Nick. He's gonna give a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he'll give an exhale. He'll be like, Okay, that was fine. Um, but the other thing that I like about the film is that it's not for the most part, it's not wholly connected to anything that happens in the MCU. And oh, I good. actually like that. There are things that I have, me personally, I have issue with. Um, but they aren't important. But it's a good film. I do recommend it. I'm curious to see how it does, because it seems like all of their future plans are hinging on whether this movie does well, and I don't think that's fair to this movie. It's 100% not fair to this movie. It also doesn't help that Disney's like, oh, we're this movie's going to be an experiment. We're going to release it for 45 days in the theaters, and then it'll come to Disney+. Plus. I'm like, just release it in the theaters. Mm. I understand the position that a lot of studios have in, are in currently, and I understand that the pandemic has yeah. ramped up because we were never out of it. So I understand all of that. Maybe they should do a thing where, oh, maybe they should do a thing where they release it in theaters and also, and it's on Disney Plus. You just have to pay for it or something if they're worried about revenue. <sighs> I don't know. It's one of those things of like, it's a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> <laughs> Reference, <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where if they do that they'll get hate from A, the actors, B, the yeah, filmmaker for true. being like, oh, you put our film on this and it's going to be another one of the Scarlett Johansson's. Um, okay, and then you'll careful. also get criticism. You'll get another criticism being like, oh, so you're putting the first big Asian, well, second big Asian-led film by Marvel on streaming. Yeah. Like, this is supposed to be a big moment for a lot of people yeah. and to just sort of toss it onto streaming, which has been my thing with a lot of uh, movies going to streaming is that I've always said that like, well, if you do that, then you're going to sort of 
cloud the other stuff that's on streaming and it becomes a very clustered area if you just put everything on streaming whereas if you put something in a theater like you'll most likely have more people go see it and that's something that i've been talking with a couple people about lately is the difference between putting something on streaming versus in a theater and the effects that it has i mean we we shared that patty jenkins quote the other day where she says like i don't i don't look on streaming for a lot of things because i get lost and that's just the truth is that things get lost marvel doesn't need to put shang chi on disney plus in my opinion disney is i mean they took a hurt because of closing down the parks and stuff but they still have a lot of money they're going to be fine if they release this in a theater i'm just very not sour on streaming or anything like that but there are films that i do believe should be released in a theater and we'll talk about them in a little bit there's one in particular (laughs) Um, that we keep referencing. I was but, just like, about to that say that, film, yeah. But 100% needed to be seen in the theater yeah. because of what it means to so many people. And regardless of if the movie is good, this means something to a lot of people yeah. that I believe should be seen. I mean, like personally. as, as yeah. great as it was to be like, how many times can I watch this before it leaves the stream? That helped a lot. But yeah. whenever they were making such a big deal about, about its box office, and it's like, well, it's also on streaming for free. Mm-hmm. so like it's and, and it's just in a tough time where it's really hard to like it's just yeah you know just you know blame, blame. it's not a good time stupid, to be stupid pandemic right yeah. stupid pandemic just yeah, yeah. The pandemic has screwed up a lot of things we don't get a whole lot into politics or anything like no, that no, we no. get your vaccines for the love of god yeah just get them they're fda approved get your vaccine move on with your life please continue to wear masks mm-hmm. indoors and if anyone asks you to, please do that. It's not just for your safety. Yeah. It's for the safety of others. Even if you are vaccinated, be sure to take that precaution yeah. um, so that we can keep, you know, being safe and get somewhat normalcy again. We just want as many people mm. healthy as possible. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to say. Yep. Yeah. And if you haven't done anything whatsoever to help things move past where we are, then you probably should shut the fuck <laughs> up about things not moving past where we are. That's all I'll say. Yeah. yeah good statement. <laughs> Yeah, um, there was one last thing I was going to say. It's an interesting thing to discuss in that the hybrid model of streaming and theaters is that I think from a studio perspective, I would at this at this point, I would just put stuff in theaters for the most part, because like in the case of Warner Brothers, who they all their stuff that they're doing day and date with HBO and in theaters, they're they're not charging for that like Disney is for the stuff that they've done. So in the case of the movies that that were the movie that we're going to talk about and the other stuff they've come out with this year. They're getting more eyeballs on it than they might otherwise, but they're not getting the revenue. I don't think anybody, I don't think they're getting additional subscriptions to HBO Max just for any one any one movie that's coming out mm-hmm. this year. I don't think it's actually helping them financially. You'll get more discussion about it, but I don't think it's actually helping the bottom line at all. Yeah, it's it's just really curious. I would love to have numbers on everything. I'm sure this Me will too. end up being a great book uh, <laughs> eventually one day talking about the way that theaters changed in the model with the uh, COVID, I'm sure that'll end up being in a textbook at some point. There's gonna be so many but, books, so many, so many. Yeah, yeah. Bob Iger's gonna write it. I just know Bob oh, Iger's God. gonna write about <laughs> Bob this. Iger. Yeah, king of Disney, Bob Iger. So, Cat. Yes. I have a very important question for you. Yes. What have you been watching this week? <laughs> um, are we just gonna go right into it? Mostly a certain movie that you and I are obsessed with. 
that is finally yes, we've, we've both seen it double digits i yeah. think <laughs> i think we're now caught up to each other yeah i think, I think so to yeah. me today mm-hmm. yeah kind of like it's i was my i've caught up now because like i watched half of it last night and then it was getting late and i was like okay i need to press pause and then finished watching it earlier so yes there's this wonderful movie that we've been hinting at the whole time anybody who know anybody in our discord knew what we were talking about in a, in a second but in the heights in the heights in the heights yes, yes. in the heights directed by john m chu mm-hmm. produced you know by lynn and kiara mm-hmm. um it's it's my favorite film of the year i don't think yeah. that's a question i think right now um, it's my favorite film period <laughs> I, I'm still not going to go that far. Fair. For me, it's totally still fair. Perks. Totally. It's still Perks and fair. School of Rock. Those films just do something for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but In the Heights is definitely up there. It's in Absolutely. my top, at least top 10. So yeah. it's up there. I absolutely love the film. I've seen it twice this week since I bought it on Tuesday. Same. Um, both times with people that hadn't seen it yet. Aww. And it's just... It's such a feel-good movie. It's the best. Like, you can hear us grinning from ear to ear talking about it. It's the best. I've I, I've seen it 11 times. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that doesn't speak to how much <laughs> I like the movie, I don't know what given how long it's Given how long it's been out, seeing that we've, we've both seen it 11 times, if that is any indication of how much we love this movie. Yeah, we've seen it 11 times in less than two months. Yep. More than two months, because it was... June 17th. It's been two and a half months. Yeah, so about two and a half months. Still very impressive slash bonkers, but, you know, we take impressive. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we we kind of bullied an entire Discord to watch it. We did. We Kat and I have been bullies this entire year. <laughs> bullies for is a, we've been musicals. we've been not, well, I don't want to say campaigning that has a political connotation, but we've been rallying around encouraging. We've been encouraging, encouraging people to people watch to watch these. We've yes, yeah, exactly. We started off with Hamilton, mm-hmm. which led into Musical May, yep. which had well first first led to uh, I think it might have even been you and me, Manny. I'm not. I can't remember who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody about. I think, I think it maybe started with and in the Heights trailer, and then we started talking about like Dear Evan Hansen, and then it got into movies or got into musicals that weren't being turned into movies, and then that's when Christian's like, "Do you need a musical page?" And I'm like, "Yes." That's probably what it was. <laughs> yeah. Because I think I had mentioned Book of Mormon mm, that I wanted yeah. to see adapted yeah. somehow into a pro shot. I would. Yeah. Ideally, I would like it to be a pro shot, not a filmed version filmed would be i don't feel like filmed would work quite right now i agree i think what works about book of mormon is the way that they use the set like i don't think hamilton would be a good version of it either i just think like there are certain things that a stage brings that Mm -hmm. being on an actual set actually can't yeah and so i think what both of them do right is the way that they actually utilize the set the Mm -hmm. locations that they're in uh, and they provide a lot more for comedic timing, in my opinion. Timing is very important in oh, both yeah. uh, musicals. I think Book of Mormon it does a great job with the comedic timing. I know that they're going back and changing That's uh, the script. Something I was going to say is like I, I'm interested and and hopeful that it's being updated because it's one of those things where I used to always like. It's kind of one of those things where it's the kind of humor that I would like the kind of humor that you laugh because you're so shocked and like grant i always thought parts of it were funny regardless but like it always to me at least felt like the kind of humor where you're just like oh my god i can't believe they said that and it was that kind of humor to me and it's certainly the kind it's certainly the kind of thing where like if people say certain things about it i'm not going to argue because it's not my place 
but I'm hoping that if it's ever like distributed that it's maybe just brought a bit more up to date and a bit a bit less I don't know you just like you know just I don't know more respectful offensive is the word yeah because like I don't I, it feels kind of it feels kind of silly saying respectful when it's like South Park creators but yeah it's the just, creators of South Park it's what they do yeah I mean you watch Team America it's the same kind of humor right as South so Park just is the same kind of humor as Book of Mormon but in this day and age just hoping that it's you know yeah just maybe a, a bit a bit less offensive and I mean they're going back because it is coming back mm-hmm. and they are going back and reworking some of the songs and the dialogue yeah. and updating all yeah. that stuff so they are aware of it but yeah yeah but yeah but going back to in the heights yes <laughs> what we're saw, all here for well what you and i are here yeah for. what we're all here for <laughs> um i saw the stage play once legally mm-hmm. twice uh <clears> using <throat> a uh using another way yep <laughs> um that we'll that we will call a slime tutorial <laughs> yep and then uh I've read the script of the original play a couple times. Okay. So I'm well-versed enough on In the Heights, mm-hmm. and I've listened to the soundtrack a whole bunch of times, you mean, so I'm well-versed do, enough. Wait, do you – this is this is what I'm going to get musical nerd. Do you mean the original cast recording or the new music, the new movie soundtrack? The the original – the OBC. Okay, thank you. <laughs> one of those people where it's like, don't call it like, Broadway. See, I'm like, don't call the cast recording soundtrack. They are different. No, no, no. The, the OBC is okay. what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, for it's the original Broadway cast mm-hmm. recording mm-hmm. that they released. Yeah. And so going into the film, I knew that things were going to be different. Mm-hmm. I knew that they had cut one of my favorite characters who has become one of the Discord's favorite characters because of how many times they <laughs> mentioned them and the way that they do it. <laughs> it's just like a running joke with us now. Like it's just... <laughs> Even watching the film, like I had, I, had I just wait for those moments about that. Just... And then the first time that Abuela says it, uh, to Nina, where she's talking, yeah, you know, and she says, like, these were your mother's napkins. Your mother, may she rest in peace. They don't ever reference every... her without saying something like, God rest her soul. May she, if your mother were here, like, it's yeah. always like, remember, she's dead. And you're just like, <laughs> it's even like funny because like when they're all at the dinner table mm-hmm. where Jimmy Smith's character says like that he sold the business and stuff, the way that he says it, he's like, your mother, God rest her soul. <laughs> as if like, they have to as pause. if like you're. Yeah. Yeah, as if like you're a friend at someone's house. Right. And it's like your grandmother. Hey, man, I'm sorry about yeah. that. You know, it really sucks. Yeah. But your grandmother and yeah. all this other stuff. It just like it's so jarring. Well, but it, I love it. It also goes into the joke I was making. I think last night on Discord, where it's like it's like they are trying to remind Nina because there was I was watching it this past time, and there's one scene where I don't remember if he's talking to Benny. He's talking to Kevin. Is talking to somebody that isn't Nina. Like Nina's not in the room, and he just kind and he mentions the mother, but he doesn't like stop to say like God rest your soul. And it's like it just <laughs> goes more to the point of like, are you just trying to remind Nina that her mom is dead? Like, it feels like the run. It feels like every. It feels like they had a convo like, okay, every time you like, every time you, y'all are around Nina, you have to say one of these. Like. <laughs> just bear in mind yeah, exactly it's gonna be like when jimmy carter finally dies <laughs> and we talk about it, we're gonna be no. like, oh. like eh, rest his soul we're gonna yeah we're gonna be Sorry, like Robert. jimmy carter may he rest in peace <laughs> or, or, or it's like it's like it's like it's like with royal it's like i feel like some people do this like with royalty too or at least that's why if i learned anything from the princess diaries or the, the princess Diaries, the princess diaries, the princess diaries too the, the the not as great as princess diaries one but a lot of times in the second yeah. one when they mention like king rupert every single time they're like may he rest in peace <laughs> it feels like one of those things yeah, so, like exactly. they ha- they can't say it without being like they're up in heaven god rest like <laughs> bless them 
Yeah, may they rest in peace yeah. and all that stuff. Nick, quick question. Who was in Princess Diaries 2? Mm. Who was who was the main male lead in Princess Diaries 2? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I'll, I'll know it. I'll, hold on. <laughs> Don't look it up. I'm a, no, I'm not look looking it up. it up. I swear I'm not looking it okay. up. Okay, I believe in you. Okay, so it's someone I would know given the is, fact that you asked me. Should we it give, is someone that you'd know. Should we You've give seen a, a couple films with them. Okay. Um, I, They have been in multiple... Franchises. franchises yes yeah hmm. this doesn't narrow it down they're white <laughs> it really doesn't this narrow doesn't it down. narrow it down. okay one one of their franchises one of the franchises was in space this doesn't narrow it down. <laughs> we can, we have to be vague here here, here, here. hold on hold um, on hold okay on, hold on. uh hold on i like ms young I was gonna say Chris Pine. Is it Chris Pine? Yeah, it's Chris Pine. That okay. is indeed correct. It's yeah, you interrupted me, and I was like, it cut me off for a second, and I my brain went elsewhere for a second. You're good. I was like, it was not Patrick Stewart. <laughs> no, no. But that franchise. No, it was Chris Hi, Pine. Alec. But yes, yeah. he was in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I, I was um, I was trying to find a way to say like he was in he was in Wonder Woman and the other one. <laughs> yeah, he was in Wonder Woman. He was in. He was in another yeah. man's body in that weird Wonder Woman sex scene. We don't need to talk about it. Mm, yeah. We don't need to talk Wonder about Wonder it. You already yeah, saw we'll my thoughts on, on Discord. <laughs> you um, yeah. on Letterboxd. You already saw my thoughts. Not, yeah. not great, Bob. No, it's not great. Uh, anyways. Um, anyways. But, the, but in the Heights, mm-hmm. like when you talk about like Nina's mom, that's one of those God characters. God rest your <laughs> Thank you, Nick. It's You're one welcome. of those characters we where gotta like, say it. I understand why they aren't in the film Mm -hmm. but it is one that i do miss because she was the person that would keep kevin like humble and Mm -hmm. make sure that he knows when he's doing something wrong yeah and i feel in the film it's just sort of like yeah he knows he did something wrong because he upset nina Mm -hmm. whereas in the stage play it's very apparent that he takes a lot from his dad in the ways that he was raised of being like no you're gonna do this you're Mm -hmm. gonna do that i'm gonna do this and that for you and well, yeah, that isn't that isn't that what his song Kevin. is about? Yeah, his song is about. Which and I they will admit, I usually film. skip, but it doesn't mean it's not a good I song. I also <laughs> skip. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but yeah, in the stage play, he sings about how his dad would be disappointed in him for wanting to go follow his dreams yeah. as a kid, but he was never disappointed in Nina because he always knew that she was going to be yeah. better than him, and she was going to do all these other things that he couldn't because of his upbringing. In the film, yeah. they talk about that when he's talking to Benny and he says like, and Benny asks him like, oh, why did you move? He's like, you know, when I was a kid, my dad pulled me out of school so I could go work in the fields with him making the same money as he did. And it's like those kinds of things that got reworked into the script mm-hmm. that I miss actually being songs. Yeah. One of the songs that's cut that I actually do miss is Sunrise between yeah. Benny and Nina. And that's, it's reinterpreted to be part of the score in certain parts yeah. and then it, we also hear it um at the end when they sing um when the sun goes down yeah when the sun goes down when they sing when the love sun goes one. down oh god, uh it, it oh my god i love the rendition of sunrise that they have when the sun for when the sun goes down at the very end yeah. it it literally gives me chills and it, and i cry because of how beautiful it is so good. um but it's one of those things where it's like there are certain songs that I could see being cut. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, why did we have to have the Piragua guy? Nick, I'm going to let you take this one since you have very strong feelings about Piragua and Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know the answer too. <laughs> I just want Nick yeah. to get his feelings out. 
They had to have him because of who they got to play him, and they insisted he be in the movie for some ungodly reason, even though he's just a distraction and he doesn't add anything to the movie. Not exactly true. That whole scene, it... Sorry, go ahead. No, it's... I I get the frustration. I... I and especially... I, I, feel like, I feel like that one might have been more for the general audience as opposed to, the, like, the the people who who are more who like are more like yes it's great but this was cut and this i feel like that one's more just like for the people who are just like oh yeah the hamilton guy again was it necessary no i I still have fun when it's on and i love that it has a chance to show more chris jackson who was amazing but i also know it was like john 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 chu the director was saying like it was i mean i guess it just kind of shows how much lynn loves that song i guess because they were saying that like the only way they could get that song to stay was if if lynn played the part so at least i mean i i I at least like that it wasn't like it wasn't one of those things where it's the creator's idea of like oh put me in put me in my thing so i like that it wasn't too much of, of like that ego but i do see that like wasn't necessary no but i don't I don't. I'll say. I'll say. I don't mind it. I something. I also don't mind. Some it. things were cut, and I'm like, and like it's already. It's that's that's such a tough thing when it's like when it's stage show is translated to movie because it's very rare that that every every like golden part is is kept, and it is tough in this case especially because like sometimes they want to add a scene for something, and you're like, well, because you're adding this scene, you're cutting the song, which I don't always agree with, but I I can also see why they did it. So I'm kind of like. Meh. I'm kind of like somewhat neutral on it because I'm trying to see both sides, but I do get the frustration. And it's not like it, like it's just kind of a joke that I don't think Lynn is a particularly good performer at this point. His voice has gotten better. Like, I will say that it has okay. gotten better. It doesn't feel like it to me. <laughs> as, as somebody who's been listening for years, I feel I feel like he got he might have gotten some training during Mary Poppins because they were used to do these like they used to do these bonus songs for like the Hamilton like lottery ticket thing and they did this one yeah. that was like a cut song I think and it was called cheering for me now and he like hearing him carry that as opposed to just kind of like rap it was like just singing and it felt like he'd like gotten some strength in his voice so and when you listen to Piragua when he goes on the voice and he hits the he hits voice, those high when notes. he goes yeah. on the bus and he hits that high note I was so happy it's for him definitely <laughs> not the, like a lack of I don't think he's not talented. Right. I just think that he has a particular voice that doesn't work for everyone. Like, I don't like Adam Levine's voice, but mm-hmm. he's quote unquote yeah. talented. Which so also, quote unquote talented. Quote unquote <laughs> talented. Yeah, I feel, exactly. I feel like it's, so cutting. it's also that tough thing of because he because he's he's such a good writer and he's famous for shows where he's a good rapper. So that sometimes like people take that and then if there's parts where he's just like sometimes i feel like sometimes in hamilton it's a bit excused if if it's hard because he puts himself next to these people with like velvet voices like leslie jr or something where it's like he might not be as good and he's like a rapper and he created the show so like he has his other talents which it's just hard to compare him to that but so when it's in this where it's like well he's not rapping he's just singing and i mean i certainly think he does a, a fine job but i yeah it's yeah, I don't know, but <laughs> I will say he. Ha- I will say, as somebody who's been listening to his voice for years, and Manny, I'm sure you can say the same. Is that I definitely think it's gotten better. Yeah, he's definitely okay. the weakest part of pretty much any like the weakest. He's in. The weakest vocalist in pretty much everything that he's in. But I personally don't mind him, and I also yeah. don't mind his role in the mm-hmm. film as yeah. as much either. I do think. I understand that he loves Piragua, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have minded if it was just that opening scene where he shakes sure. Anthony's hand That's and true. says, "Or maybe like, like oh, maybe you know, his li- maybe day. his little part in um, Carnival." Carnival. 
yeah, I, I, I feel bad saying certain things. So I'm like, I don't want to hear my like white accent on this yeah. word. In Carnival del Barrio. <laughs> it's the Carnival del Barrio. Carnival del yeah yeah in, in carnaval there no for sure but like with that at the same time there's also like something that i personally would have missed which is when they sing the closing song which is when the piragua guy just comes in and starts singing piragua and it's it just like the layering of all those voices coming in one at a time showing the different people yeah. in the community in my opinion is something that i really like in both the film and the stage play mm-hmm. is the role in the right. impact that the smallest person left on you snobby yeah. and the fact that like he says like i hear everyone's story and i keep dishing it out and right. all that stuff and to me that shows you know his remembrance of everyone in his street that left an impact on yeah. him so it's one of those things of like i could do without the song but yeah. then it takes away from one of my favorite parts at the end of the movie I love that part and too. it's a yeah. it's a whole thing there are there are other things yeah. that i think could have been cut one of them is mark anthony yeah. I thought he was good in the movie, but I don't. I felt like we could have cut his they, scene. They didn't. I feel like they didn't need that scene for the reveal they gave because honestly, the first like because the the big reveal of that like plot point like I honestly the first time around I didn't even realize it until the later scene that was much more powerful. Me neither. No, I didn't either. So with that part, like, like was he bad in it? No. Was it necessary? No. In, in my in my personal opinion. Yeah, it's one of the things of like, as we were saying, like you added this scene, but you cut out uh, when the sun goes, not when the sun goes down, you cut out like sunrise, sunrise like, or you cut out Nina's mom or like yeah. some of these other plot points. God rest your soul. That- <laughs> <laughs> yep. You cut out some of these plot points that were important to the story, but you, and I do appreciate that they focused on Sunny more because mm-hmm. of the musical. Oh, I, lo- I love, I love that they fleshed him out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what really irked me hmm. is that I was going back and I was listening to the Wenger's commentary of In the Heights and Alex said that he had done self-tapes for the role of Sonny. And mm-hmm. I'm sad because if I had done that, I could have been I could have been Sonny and In the Heights. Aww. You would have never I would have been like Vanessa. You wouldn't have heard from me again. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, isn't I mean, I can't remember his actual name, but is, wasn't that kid like actually like Gregory Diaz? He's I'm, actually from the. He's from. But New I'm, York. I'm saying as far as his age. Um. Let's see. Let's because I felt like right that. I felt like that was one of the reasons that like because Mar- like Marzonia was saying like, it was because they kind of went for a younger feel and I mean I'm sure you could pass as younger but I feel like he was actually I feel like he might have actually been like no older than 15 or 16. Yeah, he's 16 right now. Yeah. So, I'm I'm sure you would have given an amazing audition. I'm just saying that might have also been like part of the part part of it that played into why he was cast <laughs> yeah but, but no I'm i just bitter but no i will totally no i will i will like if ben platt can play <laughs> if ben platt can play a 16 year old then you can play 12 play 16 or, or however exactly. however old he's but i don't they never really specify yeah exactly they never do all we know is that he's in high school he can't get a yeah, and he can't get a license. In the stage show, He's everyone older. is way older than their characters. That is my one complaint is that I n- nothing against Mandy. She's great in the role, but I never bought her as a high school. And like they like and like again, nothing against the costume department. It's just maybe this was just a thing of like seeing clips of it years later when that stuff when some of those outfits weren't as in fashion. Maybe it was just like a thing of its time because there were some clothes in there that I thought were great, but just her it felt like her outfit, I felt like they were kind of trying to put her in like and like the teen clothes and i'm like she's obviously in her 20s and yes she's fantastic and like maybe one of the reasons they did that is because the part is demanding 
but it was tough because it felt like she was the same age as all of her counterparts and they I feel like they were all supposed to be a little bit older than her so I was just kind of like I was like maybe like at least at least with with Leslie it's like I'm sure she wasn't the age she was supposed to be either but she I feel like she had a bit more of like the baby face and such so it felt a bit more believable that she could be in college I would believe that she's like a college junior. Yeah. But I don't necessarily believe a freshman. But, but in, it's in not movie as age, bad that's as a lot better. Like <laughs> in movie yeah, age, that's I a lot better. Believe that, I believe that her and Corey Hawkins are way closer in age mm-hmm. than I did her and Chris Jackson, like personally. Their chem- oh my God, her and, her and Corey Hawkins, all the chemistry in that movie. Oh God. The chemistry is on fire in that movie. It's, Every time I watch that scene when they're doing... Which, what, what's the name of the song that they do? When the sun goes down? Oh, hold, hold on. Hold on. I got the vinyl right here. Let me check. The first one. Okay, I think it's... When you're, when you're home? The side? When you're home. When you're home? Yeah. Yep. When they do when you're home. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because I'm thinking about, cause I'm thinking about All I Know, which is mm. Nina's song yeah. at the end of the musical right. that got cut. Right. Um, but yeah, when they're doing uh, When You're Home, it's It's palpable. Incredible. Like... Every time I watch, it's like one of those ones where I mean, Grant, I'm pretty much in love with like nearly every single song in that, and and well, I guess in the show, because they're just all so good, and especially in the movie, like you get to like that's one of the things I love about yes, yeah, stage show. Obviously, theater is magic, and that has its own magic to it. But like, thing I love about when it's done right in a movie is like you get, you can see all the little precision, you can see all the little nuances, and they're they're they both just have like he has this like swagger, but also charm, and then she just like has this way about her and. Every little, every little motion they do, I'm just like, I'm just hooked. Yeah, so. no, that's that's one of my favorite songs. I think when they're on the bench and they do the drum. I, and, oh my god. Okay, I, it's so cute. When I saw that in theaters, um, like when I saw that in theaters, because people were comparing it to La La Land, I literally leaned over, like nothing against La La Land, like it has some really good parts, but I literally leaned over to my friend that I was seeing it with, and I was like, when they did the cute little thing on the bench, I was like, La La Land, eat your ass out, or like eat your heart out, or whatever it is, like whatever. Eat your ass out. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> I got from, yeah. I got from PMI. Blame them. I got from okay, either that or sorry, no, sorry, I, listeners, but or eat your heart out. Whatever it is, I was just like, it was just me saying this is superior. This moment is superior to that to that similar scene in La La Land. Like, yeah, I think the same thing could be said about ninety six thousand when oh they go underneath the water and then they come back up. I think that choreography, <gasps> as much as I love, I think La La Land has better camera work, but sure. I think. Uh, in the Heights utilized the space a lot better, in my opinion. I love La La Land. It's one of my favorite movies. I know it's a white guy saving jazz. I think La La Land is great. I think that this film, like you were saying, does a couple does uh, a couple things a lot better mm-hmm. than La La Land, personally. Yeah. I mean, cinematography-wise, La La Land is gorgeous. And part of it was just and like and like i don't have anything against the cast or anything i think it was written well i think just part of it was like and i mean i love pasek and paul so i obviously i think at least if even if i even if i'm not like in love with every single song i think they're beautiful songs but part of it was just that regardless of whether it's like white man saving jazz or not the story itself just didn't really get me i wasn't super connected to the characters and i was just kind of like okay well that's the thing i saw and like not that it was bad i was just like Meh, all right and like and I feel like I was hyping a lot up a lot because I was like movie musical and these people and then in the heights was just like everything I wanted <laughs> for the most part. Obviously, like we were sad about things being cut, but otherwise I was like, this is everything. For sure. And I mean, I don't think like they're wholly comparable. Right. But right, right. yeah, it is fun to, you know, compare like movie musicals. Nick, you've been quiet over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm here. 
you we saw this film three times. We made you watch it twice, and then <laughs> you saw it once with uh-huh. your mom on Mother's Day. Thanks to me. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's let's get your thoughts on it, because we haven't heard a whole lot from you other than Lemon Well Bad. <laughs> um, I've got more thoughts, not, not on him specifically, but when we're talking about the movie as a whole later on. Um, I like it. I like it a lot overall. Of the movies I've seen in theaters this year, I think it's my favorite. I've seen like six or seven movies in theaters this year. Um, it's not my favorite of the year because I saw a bunch of really good stuff when I uh, uh, about to do a humble brag here. I, w- I did the Tribeca Virtual Festival this year and I saw a bunch of great stuff there that I'm hoping mo- hoping some of it comes out this fall. But yeah, it's it's probably, you know, I thought I thought it was really good. It's probably up there for the movies this year. I haven't seen a ton this year so far that's actually blown me away, but I really like it for the most part. I wanted to watch it again. So like the second time I watched it, you I was actually pretty much making you guys watch it with me because I just wanted to watch it again. And then the third time was right after like a week after that <laughs> yeah. and it was a bit too quick of a turnaround. I'm not I'm not the obsessive watcher that you guys yeah. are. It's just not in my nature. Yeah. I used to be that way. Like when I was starting my Blu-ray collection almost almost a decade ago, there was a few there were a few movies that I had at that point in time. Dark Knight Rises, I remember specifically, I got for Christmas and I watched it like ten times over winter break that year. And I stopped watching it nearly as frequently after that. Just, I don't want to get tired of something. That's my whole thing. Even my favorite movie, like Jurassic Park, I've only seen like probably seven or eight times. It's really, really hasn't been that often because I just, I don't want to burn out on something. I'm the kind of person who does burn out on stuff. That's fair. Uh, So I I don't want that to happen with this movie, which is why I am going to buy it eventually, probably on Black Friday, like I've told you guys. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to buy it at full price uh, immediately just because I'm, I have no plans to watch it anytime soon. Because I want to let it breathe a little bit, but Ooh, I did buy breathe. the I did. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's there's clips on YouTube if you want to like get a little like fill your like ninety six thousand void, you can just watch the clip yeah. on YouTube or something. But yes, but or, everybody else go buy it. <laughs> or if I want to fill that void, I can just listen to the vinyl that I bought last week for four dollars. That's very true. Got a bunch of store credit, so I only paid four bucks for it. There you go. Exactly. Listen to that a little bit tonight. Yeah, I don't like. I don't know. There's there's some stuff that bugs me. I think the emotional beats mostly hit. I have issues with the pacing of it as a whole. Just like general movie issues I have with it. It's not like any it's not like I find any of it to be offensive to me in any way. It's just little little noises. I think it's too long. That's my big problem. I think you could probably cut I could probably find fifteen minutes or so to cut out of the movie. Sure. I think if I were actively looking for it as an editor and as a screenwriter, I'm just like, why do we need this? Why do we need this? I think we can trim this down here. But, like, I really like it overall, more than I thought I would, because I wasn't excited for it or anything. I was just like, oh, there's a free screening happening near me, and it's on Mother's Day. I'll take my mom, because she likes musicals, even though she knew nothing about it. What'd she think? She liked it a lot, too. Yay. She like she likes Lynn more than I do, because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the biggest fan of Lynn as a personality, either. He just kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit, gets okay. on my nerves a bit. It's not like it, it's not like I hate him or anything. He's a little grating just just with how my I mean he's around a, he's a, he's around a lot. He, he, he's around a lot. And like I I feel like it's like deserved and such and, I, and I'm always like Lynn, but like if if it's not your if it's not your cup of tea then you can be like, "Oh, he's there again." So I get it. Yeah. yeah it's the yeah. same thing with like like not to the same extent, but the same thing with like James Corden. I was literally I about <laughs> to bring him up. He's not yes. nearly as offensive as no, James no, Corden no, is. He's to me. nowhere near as bad as James Corden, but I can see like people having the same feelings. James didn't write some genius musicals but yes i get what you're saying yeah Yeah. no it's that same thing of being like this figure that is being pushed forward that you might not like yeah yeah and you're like oh of course this guy is here of course why why not why why not so it's that kind of like 
feeling. Yeah, I know Lin has like he has a following. There's people who have seen his work and like on stage, seen seen the movie now, seen Hamilton on Disney Plus, who are fans I of him. See. But like, yeah, it's you. <laughs> it, it's both of you. But like James Corden, it feels like he's a Hollywood plant because I don't know a single person who actually likes James Corden. All of a sudden he was in everything. And I'm like, n literally, I don't see anyone actually say a positive thing about him. Like actual people, everyday people that I see talking about movies, mm -hmm. no one likes him. I just feel like he's someone that the industry likes and they keep pushing him forward. And I don't think he like, I just, I don't feel like there's passion for him at all. Like in a good way, people hate him. There's passion in that direction. <laughs> but like, I know Lynn has, has actual yeah. fans. Like, obviously I know you guys and there's more than just you two. I will say real quick, I well, I remember when James Corden was just a guest star in Doctor Who, and he was hilarious, and then they brought him back because he did so well, and, like, I'm not sure how I feel about him. There's times where I see him where he seems to be really genuine, and, like, back before he, but before he was, like, James Corden, and, like, and so I'm, I'm kind of neutral at the moment. Like, I didn't think he was bad in Into the Woods um and so at that point oh, when he I was about that movie at that point at that point when it was more just like oh he did if kind of felt like oh he does this thing on late night and he clearly has like there's some things yes they're out of his vocal range but he does he can sing I I feel at least certain songs and I mean he has a Tony for us for a play so like he technically is like a theater guy so I get I get some of that attention I do think it's at the point where now they just put him in everything and like I feel like it's one of those things where it's like are you just casting him for his name or is because he's good for this part because like no offense to him but I felt like he was miscast in the prom and like he like was he completely bad in it no but it didn't I didn't feel like I was buying him as like it felt it felt like a it felt miscast to me and it felt, I, I could I couldn't like believe him in the part so mm -hmm. I, I'm not like disdain for him I, I will admit when i hear that he's in shows now sometimes i'm like oh okay because he kind of kind of feels like that <laughs> shtick but i get it yeah anyways in the heights much better <laughs> no sir one more thing about james corden mm -hmm. now if you were driving down the street and he stopped traffic and he went up to your window <laughs> and he started thrusting at you how would you react i'd run him over <laughs> uh, i would too it might depend on what show they're doing i well, if I'm... they're doing if they're doing the amazon prime cinderella in front of you oh, no. you know what's funny is that there's so, like, I like half of that cast, and I despise the absolute heck of the other <laughs> cast. I don't like Camila Cabello, and I don't like James Corden, but I like Adina Menzel, and I like Billy Porter. Oh, I'm not going to watch the movie, yes. no. but it's, like, that thing of, like, oh, here's two people that I really like, and then here's two people that I absolutely despise. And they made yeah. something that is horrendous, and it's just, like, you can Did do you better. Did you watch it? No. <laughs> Just <laughs> that was an awkward silence. Full stop. We're keeping that in. No, this we was are, horrendous. We are. Did you watch it? No. Nope. <laughs> silence. But but like, yeah, but like like you know how like you can just tell that yeah. something is well, bad. I I will say with with that with that um skit on his show, it's one of those things where like it's like you see on other talk shows too, where initially I'm like, oh, this is funny, and then like you think about the people actually like the the bystanders actually being involved, and I'm like, initially I'm like, oh, cool, they're running around and like. Like, when it first started, I was like, oh, they're doing Grey Showman. Cool. Like, I think this is kind of goofy. But then, like, thinking about the actual bystanders and being like, oh, this is not enjoyable for them. They don't want this. And then that's, like, when I think about the real world and I'm like, oh, well, maybe they shouldn't do that. <laughs> maybe that's not as amusing as I thought it was. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. The poor ugh. people. The poor people. Yeah. The poor. No, no, okay. Not the poor people. The poor people. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, so in the heights. <laughs> yeah. In the heights. Um, you were saying how you could find like 15 minutes to cut out of the film. I actually really like the length of the film, but that might just be because I'm used to, you know, musicals being long and stuff. 
I think you can replace a solid 10 minutes of the film with other stuff that is mm-hmm. more substantial, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, you can replace some of the things that were closer to the stage show, whether that be a couple songs or stuff. I wonder, I can't, I don't even know how long the Mark Anthony scene was, but I don't think it was five minutes. I was going to say it was not 10 minutes for sure, but like just little, just little bits here and there. I I can certainly see that. I mean, like for the most part, I feel like a lot of the movie is important information, whether it's important stuff they kept or important things they fleshed out for the most part. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily feel like it drags on for me just because like, you know, I'm so enthralled in it the whole time that I'm like, oh yeah, this part. And like. I do admit that it's long, but kind of like Manny, I'm so used to stage shows where I'm like, well, usually it's at least two hours 15, like, because <laughs> there's a first act and then second act. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear if there's like, aside from we've already discussed the Mark Anthony scene, if there's, if there's certain parts you've like made mental note of, of like, you don't feel like they're necessary or something. I don't know if it's anything in particular. I like I would cut out the the Paragua song, mm-hmm. and like I would have him at the beginning, and you could have him in the the carnival scene later. Sure. Uh, you cut you could cut out the Mark Anthony scene. I think you could easily. There's only one piece of information you need from that scene. You, you find could it easily out later. Put it put it <laughs> elsewhere. So like that's like seven eight minutes that you could yeah. that you could chop off right there. I think there's probably like little just little bits of scenes that you could probably trim down a little bit. I sure. don't know anything in particular, but I think my my problem was like just the pacing of it in the sense that. When the blackout happens, that's me thinking, oh, this is the third act. And it's like of a traditional uh, movie screenplay, mm-hmm. you know, which is three acts. This feels like the third act. This is the climax of the movie. When in actuality, that's the end of the fir- that's the end of act one, the yeah. stage show. Yeah. And it's like it's like I don't want to say action in terms of how you would think of action, but it's like stuff isn't really happening after that. It's it's all conversation and resolution and like there are songs happening, obviously, mm-hmm. but it just feels like a really dragged out resolution. Sure. Like it feels like everyone. Like Usnavi especially, it feels like he's got almost like three different endings. That, that it feels like he's wrapping up, and then it keeps going, and then it keeps going, and then it keeps going. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, I actually, when I was watching it in the theater, I thought the Carnival song was going to be the end of the movie. And I'm like, huh, there's like they left a couple couple endings open, but this feels like a big number to to end the movie on. And then there's another half hour. I was just like, it felt like the movie was was ramping up and coming to a natural close, and then it just kind of kept going. In terms of how big the blackout is and how big the the carnival number is, like wa- it feels like that's a, that's the climax of the movie, yeah. and then it just keeps going. I wonder if part of that is I wonder if part of that is because some of the songs were rearranged. I'm not sure. I was about to say the same thing. I was yeah. gonna say I think part of that is the fact that I I I'm assuming we're gonna spoil this movie. Um, Let's yeah. just go ahead. People have their chance. Uh, I think part of that <laughs> we watched it eleven times. F- you can watch it once. <laughs> yeah. I think part of that is the fact that Abuela dies right in the middle of the film. So yeah. in the stage play, she dies after Carnaval, well, during Carnaval. And then after that, it's Atención, which is just Kevin saying like, hey, she died. But it goes from there to Alabanza. Then it goes to Everything I Know, which is Nina's song talking mm-hmm. about uh, all the lessons that she learned from Abuela. Then it goes to... I think it goes to Champagne, then to When the Sun Goes Down, and then it ends. So it it pretty much goes, Abuela dies, and then everything closes. But here, Abuela dies in the middle. We go to everyone griefing about her. Mm -hmm. Then it goes to Carnaval, and then it goes to the rest of the other stuff. So I think that's part of it. Mm -hmm. Because in the stage show, Blackout is the midway point. Then we start Act 2 with Benny and Nina. 
mm-hmm. uh, just For waking Sundays. up from their night together. From their and rendezvous. then there's a lot more like drama <laughs> with that specifically. Like there, the Benny and Nina subplot in the stage play is much more focused on than it Musical. is here. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that I think does end up hurting the film for some people that don't know the story is that mm-hmm. you would think, oh, God and Abad is the ending, but there's so much left to tell. Yeah. And yeah. it's because they they focused on some other things. Yeah. So I think I think we could cut Biragua and instead put everything I know because I think that's a really important song to show the importance of Abuela because mm-hmm. of how they cheaped her out in the ending, which I don't I don't love the ending. I've accepted it for what it is, but I much prefer the stage version of it. Oh, you mean um, like what was they added with the ending? Yeah, what they did gotcha. with the ending, I'm not the biggest fan of personally. Um, that was something I was going to bring up as something else I think you could cut. I don't think you need that storytelling device at all. They keep cutting back to him telling the story to his daughter. I don't think you need the little bait and switch where you're supposed to think he's on the island in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, I, don't I think mean, you need that at all. You can just have him, I think you can just have him be a narrator. Yeah. I think they could have started with like him on the beach. And then, like him narrating throughout some other things, and just having like the voices. Yeah. Every well, that now was that was. Then. I mean, I remember for me and Manny and anybody else who knew the stage show, we were all like, we were all freaking out in the conversing in the Discord when the trailer came out. Yeah. We're like, yeah, we're like, the first this defeats the whole purpose out. of the. We're like, we're like, but in the show he doesn't go. What happened? Does he like, go for vacation? Does are he and Vanessa there together? We were like, this. Did they change the whole plot? We were like, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I just I don't think I don't think the misdirection. Like I don't think. If it's a surprise at the end that he doesn't go, I don't mm-hmm. think it like it doesn't feel like one to me. I also can't help but laugh, but um, like the, I mean, again, like I, I'm the kind of thing of like if if it's done well and like if there's a really pretty song, then like I can kind of overlook some of the like kind of like t- tied up in a bow things. But when they when they have like fashion in the, like next to the canned goods, I'm like okay. <laughs> that that's one thing that I also would say that, is that, that story I would not think, be solvent. Is that I think you could replace like some of the scenes where they cut back to the beach and all that other stuff. You mm-hmm. could replace that with Vanessa's actual storyline of the film. Yeah, they could have just they could have like they could have like shared a storefront or something like as opposed to yeah. having it in the same store. Because we know that there's at least one scene that they cut where Vanessa talks to Usnavi about her passions for fashion, mm-hmm. and she shows. Oh him yeah, because the it was fashion, in the trailer. Because that's in the trailer, but it wasn't. And we're like, in where the is film. it? <laughs> it's a yeah, gift and one everything. Of the things that I'm just like, it's not here. So I think that's yeah. one of the things that they could have. Well, replaced. yeah, because you you pointed out you made the connection that I hadn't made of that you think that um, the scene where he goes to the lawyer was was moved. It's definitely not supposed to be there because he's wearing the shirt from later in the movie after he had a talk with Vanessa. And something else that I noticed is that none of the lights in the building are on. It's all natural lighting from the window, mm-hmm. and he's like yeah. close to the window trying to read something. So I wonder if that's yeah. another thing that like shows that it was supposed to be later in the film. Or if he's just, or if he's just wearing the same outfit twice. I mean, yeah. Well, also, I think if I remember correctly, in the trailer for that cutscene, I think she, I think Vanessa might have been in the same outfit that she was when they were on the staff. Oh, she definitely was. She was. And she was. She had the bun. She had the tank top. She was yeah. in all that stuff. So I'm assuming they go from the steps into her room where she shows him her fashion, the sketches, and all the other stuff. So I feel like that's something that could have been reworked. Mm-hmm. Um. 
I'm a we be sound on. like I we don't... sound like a YouTube channel that uh, that breaks down trailers shot by shot. That's what we sound like the last two minutes. We'll break we'll break down <laughs> in the heights minute by minute. Like, well, yeah, we'll, we'll basically... put the red arrows in circles and everything saying, yeah. like, here's what you missed. Um, I think the other thing that could have been cut was uh, when Benny walks in on Kevin and Pike talking. I think you could have had... Um, Just his reaction? No, I think you could have had Kevin call the school... To be like, oh, what's the price? I think we had enough subtext with uh, saying like, oh, well, mm-hmm. your dad kept half the store and all that stuff. And we do mm-hmm. see Pike when he's talking to Abuela about the napkins charging $9 a piece and all that stuff. So I think yeah. we had enough of him that if you mm-hmm. would have cut that scene and we would have gone to dinner and he would have just brought it up naturally instead of... As opposed to Benny being like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, instead of Benny coming in heated and all that stuff, sure. I think that would have been more not not like i think it would have hit harder because it's something that like had been alluded to whereas in the film Mm -hmm. we see it pretty bluntly yeah it might have been a bit more it might have been a bit been a bit more of a gut punch for people who didn't already know the story yeah i will also say i think it's hilarious we talked about this before with um when he's like and if your mother got rest her soul was here she'd agree and like anybody who knows the musical is like she gets pissed yeah she gets mad (laughs) she's like you did not discuss this with me it's like it's like yeah, you're upset, but like, come on, talk to me about stuff. She talk, yeah. she says that to both Kevin and yeah. Nina. She's like, we need to have conversations because we are not talking right now. Use you're your mad words. about Benny. You're mad about school. You're mad about selling the shop and all this other stuff. And the mom just finally just has enough, which is the name of the song. Cue her song, yeah. But I, yeah. I just every time that every time that line happens, where he's like, "She would agree with me," I'm like, "Did you see the stage show?" <laughs> like, yeah, it's like it's like we all know she wouldn't. No, but, she wouldn't. You well, change that. The stage version of Nina's mom wouldn't. This the God agree. rest the, the 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 dead one apparently would. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Different mom. Speaking, speaking of the dead mother, I think I had said this in the Discord, but when Nina is singing Breathe and they go through like her life and all that stuff, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a shot where Nina goes up to her dad as she's about to go off to college and they go past the TV. That's actually one of the actors. I think that is the actress who originated Nina's mom in, I love that. on Broadway. I love and that. I'm like, that's really cool. They incorporated... Yeah. They incorporated quite a few of the actual, like, Broadway people. Seth Stewart was in there, who played the original Graffiti Pete. He was the bartender. Mm-hmm. Javier Munoz, who usually takes over for a lot of Lynn's roles after he's done with them. Um, he was at the end of the film. Abuela. Um, Chris Jackson. Yeah, Abuela yes. as well. Chris Jackson, who played the original Ben. He plays Mr. Softy we in can't, this. We can't forget Mr. Hades himself. <laughs> yeah. I don't know his name, but I know that you Patrick do. Page. Patrick Page. Yeah, that's his name. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> plays he plays Hades in Hades Town. Oh, I didn't know you were gonna say that. Yeah, oh my gosh. If y'all hear his voice, he goes so low and let's just say he's very good at playing the devil. But but yeah. being like a charming devil. And go listen to Hades Town, it's amazing. But and like I remember when I saw him in that, I didn't because I was like people were talking about like, oh, all these Hamilton cat or like all these in the Heights cast and I guess I looked it up and I think there was one night, I don't know if it was like just for fun, but I think I read that there was one night where he went on his graffiti P, like maybe just like because him and Lynn were buddies. I don't know the whole story. But suddenly I was like, When was Patrick Page in the Heights? He was like a well known actor by this point. But I loved uh, suddenly I just watched the screen, I'm like, Oh shit, it's Hades <laughs> Is that the Grim Reaper? <laughs> it's Hades. Um, yeah, it's literally that. Like yeah, that video. It was yeah, it was so. Oh, and then um the I 
don't remember her name, but the the cast member that Dorian Montalvo. Yeah, for real. Rest in peace. Um, yes, not a, jo- uh, not a joke. She, she, I believe, died of cancer before mm-hmm. the film came out, and but she's, I, I believe, I believe she's the, she kind of has the solo at the right before the bridge and breathe. I believe that's her. Yeah, she has that, and she also sings the end song. Yeah, or Abuela's mm-hmm. favorite song. She sings that in yeah. both the stage, stage musical, and mm-hmm. the film version. You know about like her role, right? Like about yeah, how she, how she was like originally playing uh, Benny's mom, but the character got cut, and they wanted to keep her, so they just kept finding like places for her oh i wasn't talking about that i was talking about her broadway role about how she auditioned to be part of the broadway show and all this stuff but they couldn't they liked her a lot but they couldn't find a spot for her well that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying like i think i I read that i read that at one point they in the broadway i read that at one point in the broadway show they had a character they had benny's mom as a character and she played like maybe and tryouts or something they had her playing benny's mom and maybe she had a song i'm not sure but and then they cut and then Benny's mom didn't end up making the cut, but Lynn wanted to keep her, so they kept like fine, like they they kept giving her different. I, I'm not sure how many times they like reworked her in, but I know that they wanted to keep her, so they found another spot for her, which I love. Yeah, and her and so she's part of the ensemble, but her name mm-hmm. was Kuka, and so in this movie, mm, yeah, yeah, they yeah. honored her by having Dasha Polanco play yeah, a character who's named great. Kuka. Yeah, who's great. She isn't given a whole lot to do, but I did enjoy but her. But she makes she film. makes her moments work. Yeah, she does. And also we gotta say, I I mean, we could praise every single one of the cast members pretty much, but especially as a Brooklyn Nine Nine fan, also she's a great singer. Stephanie Beatrice. Love her. That's Rosa Diaz. Love her. That's Rosa Diaz. Exactly. No, I, I love Stephanie Beatrice. I think she's a great comedic talent and she yes. was great in the film. She's so talented and it's it's so great for people who like the amount of times that you watch interviews and people are just like whoa her voice because her voice is so deep on brooklyn 99 like she, like i mean she's already hilarious on that show but seeing her in this different in this different role that's getting a lot of attention i love i also love that they made two of the characters queer i mean i remember like gasping when i saw that they made her that they made uh daniela and carla a couple and i was just like yes <laughs> but that was i just i loved that and obviously daphne Rubin- Ruben Vega is ugh. yeah that was one of the things where when the first eight minutes had gotten released I had seen like I had seen that before and I was like wait was that was that that are they a thing <laughs> that- and I'm like <laughs> like when Chris like Christian's like are they mother and daughter are they girlfriends and I'm like just gals being pals yeah exactly it's like they're just <laughs> friends she, she kisses her awake but totally platonic yeah exactly it's one of those things uh speaking about the cast there's uh you know, we have to talk about the leading person, Anthony Ramos, oh, playing Usnavi. Our star, our our star, a star is born. Which a is star is born. He was in which is not a good movie. <gasps> Anyways, wow. it's fine. Um, no, it's but he's... mid. A mid is born. <laughs> yes. yes, a mid is okay. Anyways, but I mean, the real star, the real star in that movie is Anthony Ramos. We just didn't. People just didn't know yet. We knew it because. Hamilton and for anybody who doesn't know it, Twenty One Chump Street. Go watch it. You're welcome. Exactly. It has a cut song from Hamilton that got reworked to be another song. So wait, wait which one? Uh, seriously, these kids need to learn <gasps> yes! there are consequences, consequences in life. In li- that yes. was oh. that was uh, your mine or whatever the name of that song oh, is okay. from Hamilton. Okay. Th- this one's that mine. was yeah. Eliza. Yeah, this one's mine. That was originally Eliza's song. Also, just seeing like I mean. Anthony was always talented, but seeing him go from like that 
like one night concert he did for 21 Trump Street because Hamilton like hadn't officially started rehearsals yet to this and like and it was so cute because like a, a long time ago like back when that happened Lynn posted a picture of him and he's like y'all don't know it yet but this kid's gonna be a star and it's like he is a star now and like it's one of those things for like for somebody who you don't actually know but you like feel so much pride whenever they get attention like especially for like anytime theater people get to be movies I'm like that's my that's my person I'm like I'm like I knew you could do it yeah it's one of those things it's really just one of those things of like seeing someone finally get like their role because you feel like part of the community like rooting for them or like you feel yeah you feel like you're part of the, like extended community and like you're like i always knew you were amazing and now the rest of the world can be like oh my god yeah it's like the same thing that happened when jasmine cephas jones who is his oh, fiance she was nominated nice. for an emmy and her and her father won emmys on the same night and it's just one of those things of like good for you and now she also and uh, she, she's and, on well, this she, She's on Blind, Blind Spotting, Spotting, which her... For anybody who doesn't know, she was both Peggy and Mariah in Hamilton. But yeah, she played Peggy and Mariah in Hamilton. Uh, her dad is Ron Cephas Jones, who you probably know best. Well, I don't know best, but like, if you're a younger person, you'll probably know him more from uh, his role in Luke Cage than you will of anything else. Apparently, he's also in This Is Us. Is he, he? I think he is on. This, I think that's what he. I won think he plays Sterling K. Brown's dad. I think. Yeah, I think that's what he like won the Emmy for. Yeah. Jasmine Cephas Jones was part of Blind Spotting the movie and now the show, and so it's mm-hmm. good to see pretty much everyone. It's like the whole Short Term Twelve uh, cast yeah. that happened, where, oh, yeah. where a lot of the people from Short Term Twelve went on to have really good careers. It's Caitlin the same Zeber, thing with Stephanie Hamilton. Beatrice, Rami Malek, yeah, uh, yeah, it's Brie like Larson. Brie <laughs> Larson. I tell you what, though. We need more John Gallagher, John Gallagher Jr. Where the fuck has he been? Also somebody who started on Broadway. He was in the original Broadway cast of this musical called Spring Awakening that is amazing. Leah Michelle. Yes. We don't have to talk about that. Jonathan Groff. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan Groff. Groff. Sure, sure. Um, Chris, well, you might not know Krista Rodriguez, but she's been doing, she's gotten some TV and stuff, so I love her. But no, Spring Awakening is amazing. And he was, he was fantastic. And he had this really tough emotional role in it. He does it so well. And so whenever I started seeing him in movies, like Short Term 12, or like he was in that, and he was in like, and he was in the movie Hush, and he was in, like, he's been in some bigger movies too. And like, he Ten Cloverfield like, Lanes, where I saw him first. Yeah. And like hearing people like Christian be like, oh yeah, the guy, John, like hearing them be like, oh yeah, he's from this TV show. And I'm like, he's a Broadway guy first, and I love this. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, he's he, ours. He was, he was also, well, he was an American idiot on Broadway. Like, and I'm pretty sure he won a Tony for Spring Awakening. I'm not sh- I think so. So it's just like, Anytime somebody started in theater and like it kind of feels like the thing where it feels like, a, I mean, like obviously not, there's always, there's obviously like the jaded people in any kind of business, but especially when it's theater, when you, when you can just get that sense of like, they just love what they do and stuff. And like, you can just, you can at least get that sense of like, they're in it for the right reasons. And then you see that they're so talented and then you see them, their star just rise and everybody suddenly is like, oh my gosh, I love this person. And I'm like, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm, like definitely I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm like now you know how I've been feeling for six years <laughs> yeah it's definitely one of those things where I'm like yo I was listening to 21 Chump Street on the bus when I was a sophomore right. in high school and it now feels, like it feels, look at yeah. now. you're such a hipster I was wow. I was just I was just about to say it's like the theater version of hipster where you're like Coming it's not even Nick to call someone a hipster <laughs> But it's it's like a different it's like a theater version where it's like not before it's cool just before but but yeah essentially but it's like it's like if you knew how proud I was like you you feel like a certain sense of pride even though I had nothing to do with their I didn't have much to do with their success it's like yes but I'm so happy like I feel a certain I don't want to say ownership because that sounds very like ugh but just knowing that you loved this thing 
from like the get-go and then seeing everybody be like wow this person's really cool and i'm like finally somebody knows the person I'm, i've been fangirling over for years it's like now i can actually be like yeah look at this thing wow they can sing look at this and like have you heard of this musical and people actually care now <laughs> aside from just the theater community yeah it's gonna be the same thing with west side story with rachel zegler oh zelger zegler Zegler and Zegler. Ariana DeBose and Ariana DeBose who was in uh she was in Hamilton she played the bullet she was in the prom mm-hmm. she played and Alyssa. she's in Schmigadoon she was in Schmigadoon which I also mm-hmm. did like which I mean we talked about this before but I did not realize that that was her real voice um Chris- Kristen Chenoweth I didn't oh. realize that was like her actual voice it's very oh, distinct just the way she t- the way she talks yeah yeah I'm like mm-hmm. oh okay so this is real Okay. Also, anybody who loves musicals, watch Schmigadoon. Yes. I believe it's – it's. I didn't know that there was a musical called Brigadoon, but that's what they're, like, yeah. riffing yeah. off of is I will say, musical called Brigadoon. Real quick, real quick, I, it took me a second to watch the rest of it after the first episode just because it – was, it was all really well me done. But, if, but it was more of the Carousel vibe, and no offense to Carousel, it's just not my favorite show. So when they were kind of playing on the fact of, like, oh, they, ha- they have a song about this food and stuff, and I was like, I get the purpose, and it's really well done – I was just like, can we move on from this little bit and like onto the or like yeah or like with again like with Aaron Tveit who's now been in some bigger movies and stuff. It's like he's from or like even Gate even like Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things. It's like he was in Les Mis on Broadway. Just like any any of these hundreds of things that are now getting attention, and I'm just like they started on Broadway. I think both of us had that sort of like we get it moment. Yeah. Like as much as we make fun of that of being like we get it. We definitely had that with Schmigadoon. At least I did for the first two yeah. episodes where I'm like, yeah. all right, I get it. I just need to. <laughs> well, because like for, for how much I would, li- I would like, I would give Carousel kind of flack because like it's beautifully written and like it has some gorgeous songs in it. I don't care for the story. And I was like, and one of my big things is I'd be like, I'd be like, they have a song about a freaking clam bake. And then now they're doing this thing about like corn, like a song about corn pudding. I get, I get what they're doing. And like for people who love Carousel, I'm sure that they think the first episode is amazing. But I was just kind of like, can we get past this little bit and like get under these other songs and then after like two episodes and then by the end of it I was really emotional just seeing certain parts and like I won't spoil anything because it's still really new but there's a certain scene with the two leads towards the end I'm sure Manny might know what I'm talking about yeah they I know me, what you're they talking me, about they got me choked up and then the ending of it just like any any I mean this is one of the things I love about In the Heights too just anything where it's like people coming together for a song it's just like finales just get me emotional regardless i'm just like oh my god they're like it's like it's a beautiful ending and there's harmonies and i'm a sucker for harmonies and just like that finality of it and suddenly i'm like over here crying yeah it's like it's like i i have a lot of issues with rent in general Mm -hmm. but seasons of love goes very hard and then seasons of love reprise i think is what it's called no no i'll I'll cover no 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 not the ending i'll cover you reprise that specific oh song. Oh my god. That well that gets song me. like if that doesn't get you at all, then like where is your soul? <laughs> yeah, no, that that's one of the things of like, yeah, I don't really like a lot of these characters and I feel like they're just complaining to complain. Well, that, that was one of my that was but, one of my things like when PMI did a video on it and it's just like we're like, Oh, these characters aren't great, but I love the music. <laughs> yeah, I kind I have that way more than I do with Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen, I don't like a lot of the music, whereas in Rent I do like a lot of the music mm-hmm. like group numbers in general is one of those yeah. things where it's like oh yeah. i really feel for this and re-watching it the last two times when they do alabanza ooh, oh, ooh that gets me ooh 
that's a Nick, good Nick, do you have song. any thoughts on group numbers and how they make you emotional? <laughs> no, not really. No, no. <laughs> mm, good to know. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Nick, do you have any other thoughts about In the Heights? Um, no, I think I got them all out. I like it a lot. Yeah. I don't like it as much as you do. It's hard to like it as much as you do. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of hard to be like Kat and I where yeah. we watch it a lot. Yeah. But... I'm curious about the the other world in the multiverse where I watched this without knowing you two, and I'm curious how I felt in that. In I that feel world, like you would have watched it in like fifth, maybe like in maybe. I'm hoping it gets some kind of recognition, and like again, obviously the accolades aren't the most important thing, but I'm hoping in the next within the next year it gets some kind of recognition. I feel like that would be the point where you're like, oh well, I got nominated for this, so I'll give it a shot. That'd probably be when you watched it, maybe. Because maybe. I don't think Nick would have watched Hamilton, so he wouldn't have had any sort of like baggage coming in whereas we yeah. have a lot of well, baggage also, coming in also up well up until up until the uh which award should it just get nominated for because it's technically like a emmys emmys yeah it's, somehow it's a show before, a tv show which before, before is the one that, thing the one thing it isn't to me before that it was just yeah but before that it was like i mean like it was the thing that everybody was talking to a certain degree everybody was talking about but as far as awards it was like it was all like tonys which and if you're not a theater person you don't really pay attention to that so yeah i don't i can confirm i do not pay attention to the tonys <sighs> tonys are my favorite that, award show and that brings up an interesting question would we have liked this to instead of being a film to actually be a mini series hamilton or in the heights in the heights of being like maybe like uh, five episodes i wouldn't be a Opposed to it, but I really love what they did with it. If it were a miniseries, I would never have watched it. Interesting. I'm just, it's just because I feel like with, and I don't think it needed it. Well, not entirely, but with like a miniseries, we would have been able to get into a lot of the topics that the, that a lot of the theater fans that were upset with the movie would have been able to get like we would have been able to spend more time with kevin and the rosarios we probably would have kept nina's mom in there and fleshed out the struggle of being Mm -hmm. a first first generation student going to college and the burden that you have on that we would have been able to spend more time with abuela before she passed we probably Mm -hmm. would have been able to get more time with vanessa and see Mm -hmm. her actual passions it's just a thought of fleshing out the character it's because i love the characters a lot in the stories that are being told Mm -hmm. that i wouldn't have minded feels like a four or maybe like five part miniseries and just have the songs interlaced in each episode but that's just it's it was just a question i mean it's one of those things where i'm at the point where like hearing certain things getting adapted certain ways like until i have a i try not to hold judgment until I'm given a reason to because there's been there's also been things where I'm like oh god not this and then I see a trailer and I'm like well crap that looks good so especially if it's musical related like I'm any there can be things where I'm like oh, not this again and then like I hear a certain song and I'm like well dang it that's really catchy like I'll, I'll become like kind of like roped into it so I, it wouldn't be one of those things where I'm like oh like initially like oh amazing idea but like if it was done well I think it could be cool but that being said I love I for the most part, love how the movie turned out. So I'm good. I'm good with what we've got. I think that about wraps up our in the heights discussion. I think that wraps <laughs> up the episode for this week. The main reason we talked. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> unless it, you have anything else you want to talk about. I mean, no, I could I, go on talking you know. about this movie forever. It's Manny and I a, will have a four-hour podcast about in the yeah. Heights. We'll just we'll have an in the heights part two discussion. We'll watch it together and just and pause every scene and be like, now in this scene. <laughs> Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the mise-en-scene in each scene. 
Oh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah, Nick's favorite uh, film term, mise-en-scene. Term that no one ever actually uses, but they they have to teach you in every class ever. Oh, I had to use it this week for, for my class. I had to shoot with mise-en-scene in mind. What does that even mean? <laughs> I, just I know shot, what it means. I shot, like, yeah, I know. I shot myself with deep focus, turning on a stove, and then putting a pan over the heat. And that was it. And it was like dark and it was just lit up by the microwave light. I don't know. It was really stupid, but I did it because mise-en-scene. It's more mise-en-scene than you get in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, am I right? Bring it back around, even though I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> Bring it back around. <laughs> I really wanted that silence to go on for another 10 seconds or so. Yeah. Nick, let them know where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd now at Reeves underscore 117. Kat, where can people find you if they want to follow you and hear all of your discussion posts that you probably will not be end up posting? Um, well, my Twitter is public, so that's at Catastrophe with a underscore between the, the cat and, the ta- and after the catastrophe, you can figure it out. Um, and then, so yeah, just go watch Bobcat. I did get the, the TikTok uh, handle from Bobby because it's his TikTok. So if you, if that is your way of viewing, we have bobcat videos on there and it's link skywalker 1409 so go check us out there otherwise uh bobcat on youtube it's just under his channel bobby mitchell and if you yeah go watch we we all know each other because of the wingers they're on youtube amateur hour films and if you want to join our discord you can see how how awesome we all are <laughs> and see all of our all of our Patreon, conversations yep. awesome is a word definitely a word yep yeah, and then you can follow me on Twitter at StarWarsNerd9. You can follow my letterbox. It's just my name, Emmanuel Fuentes, all together. So that's E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-F-U-E-N-T-E-S. That's all one word. I don't log it as much because I watch, I think, more TV than I do films. But that's just because I'm busy and TV is more consumable for me personally. But that's it. That's going to be the end of our show. Thank you guys for sticking with us for another longer episode this was a great discussion the norm now yeah exactly we wanted to thank kat for coming on for joining us for the in the heights discussion and for being our first guest our first guest thank you for having me i'm i mean i jokingly i i'll say i encouraged you to have me for this discussion because oh we were gonna have you regardless if you if you had it without me then we'd have some other discussions but yeah, the, uh, yeah, this has been fun. Hopefully, you'll see me back yeah. uh, when Taylor Swift's next album <laughs> releases, and I can go. On oh, the about next that. album is the next album is gonna November nineteenth. Extravaganza, exactly. We're November nineteenth. I'm good. I'm planning on doing a star study. Nick, we'll probably have to end up doing two podcasts. You'll probably have to end up <laughs> okay. recording one yourself, and then I'll record one myself because I will be discussing the Taylor Swift album with Kat, and I'm hoping to get a couple of the people that we know to see if they Stay would like to join tuned. us. I'm excited. Stay but yeah, tuned. this was a lot of fun and I loved, I mean, you know me, any chance to talk theater or especially the mu- the movie that I've been obsessed with, I'm happy to talk about it. So that's amazing. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like, subscribe, follow us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It helps out. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye.